welcome to episode 123 of Zapped to the Past. I am Adrian Mills and I'm joined as always by Mr. Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. We are using the magazine Zap 64 as a monthly guide for the games to focus on, but we are in no way affiliated with Zap 64 itself. This week, we start our look at May 1989 and the first batch of games reviewed in issue 49 of Zap 64, along with what was also going on in the UK singles and albums chart that month. Graham, tell us exactly how many Bothans died to bring us this episode. In this thrill-packed episode, where we attempt to see if pursuing a coat and hat-wearing sentient bear has any correlation to beer-brewing quality... We dive into a war helicopter or maybe even a battle jeep, possibly even both, in the alarmingly difficult in one player side-scrolling blaster Silkworm. Pop in our ill-fated time machine and head back in time to take a dreary UK road trip in the naff unreleased world of Turbo Esprit. Join some horribly complex version of the badly drawn 8-bit military and experience the bewildering boot camps of action service and grab our great value cannons and head to the endorphin-fueled arcade-inspired blasting fun of the horribly overlooked Bomb Fusion. As incredible as it sounds, we have indeed discovered that the migration of the Bavarian bear is directly related to the location of Quality Brewery. Crazy. While we slowly come to terms with that, we head into a ladder-strewn expanse of caves and corridors on a quest for proper weaponry and pants in the pedestrian realm of the trolls. Prepare for some inevitable deja vu as we stand toe to microscopic toe with some familiar stereotypically challenged combatants in the nearly brand Street Fighter lookalike human killing machine. Drop in on our familiar friend to check if he still thinks football good or if we should be giving this a red card in Gary Lineker's Hot Shot before finally stepping into the activity-fueled multi-event game show world of the late 80s with the 8-bit version of TV's Run the Gauntlet. It's something of an uphill struggle at the minute. We want to like more of these games, and you'd think by now they'd be getting better. Alas, as each week goes by, it's starting to feel more like 8-bit Russian roulette. Come on, 1989, do better than this. Exactly. Come on. Many. You know the number. You have that number. <laughs> Many Bothans died. That's Mon Mothma you're talking about there. I know. Don't Mon Mothma. From the Mothma family. Mon Mothma, Dad Bob. Mothma. <laughs> I knew you were going to say Bob. Bob. Bob Mothma. Bob Mothma. Glenn Mothma. Marvin. Marvin Mothma. <laughs> Moth Mothma. It's the, it's, it's the, uh, it's the uh, nasally challenged bringer of doom to uh, small places in the in the west Midwest of America. Oh, my God, he's seen the Mothma. 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 It's Mothma. the Mothma from him. It is indeed. Anyway, we need to look at a cover. The it cover. Is the first, it's a new month. There's a new new cover to look at. Look at that cover. It is a man. He's punching. He, he is punching, isn't he? With the, I've noticed he's got his knuckles slightly outstretched, the old knuckle trick. It just actually breaks Ooh. your knuckles doing that. Well, your finger knuckle. It's the merry, merry month of May, isn't it? That's a merry, merry month of May picture, isn't it, really? Bloody nosed person. He's a renegade, isn't he? It's a renegade. It's yes. third renegade. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. is it me? I mean, has he got a really big forehead or something? Because his hair's quite high on his head. This is the episode of High Hair. <laughs> so maybe that's his name. Possibly High Hair. It's not badly drawn, that, though, is it? It's pretty good. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's nice. He's got great teeth. He has got exceptionally good teeth and no tongue. So that's always an interesting thing. Maybe would the tongue be there? I think it's, it's quite good, that. It is. A lot of white in the background, though. He seems to have been cut out there on the left by the including part. I don't like the way that that, uh, that has been yeah. sort of just blocked around it. Well, look how badly cut out the zap is, goodness sake. It's not great, is it? Look, use a scalpel, all right? If you're cutting it out, use something sharp. Don't use scissors. 
<laughs> Just saying. They're not the right thing for that. No. <laughs> it's also the best-selling Commodore magazine in Britain. I noticed that. It's a bit... You don't need to typeset it like that. That's. It's a bit odd. There's a lot of text again on this issue as well. It is mm-hmm. a very nicely balanced cover in the sense that you've got a close-up of the guy's face taking a predominant part of that, and that is quite nice. And I do like the way his thumb goes over the barcode just slightly. That's a nice touch. Nice yeah, touch. yeah, that's okay. I'll allow that. Yeah, Renegade 3, Silkworm, Voyager, whatever that is. You could win a helicopter flight. You could, actually, which is a pretty cool prize, actually. It is. You ever been in a helicopter? No. I've been in a small oh, plane, though. I've been in a helicopter. It's the most terrifying thing I've ever been in. I've sat in one on the ground, but it wasn't very terrifying. It's terrifying because they are made essentially of paper, it felt like. They're so thin. They're so thin and wan. It's, I mean, obviously they have to be to take off and, and fly about, but they it doesn't feel like there's much between you and falling out to your death at any point in one of those things. And they are deafeningly loud. No. Well. What kind of what kind of helicopter were you in? Um, it was strange enough. It was a, a gunship that I just... No, it wasn't really. Um, it was an <laughs> airwolf. I just went into a cave and there it was. I thought I may as well... Dom was there. I thought, hey, Dom, he was like... Hey, get in my helicopter. I'm, I'm not going to go any faces further with that. We've got, we got, got to take care of in that game. Um, Just drink this. It was. I was in Iceland and we were flying towards a volcano and it was one of those ones. So I don't know what kind it was. All right. So, but it was quite scary because there's not much between you and, you know, and well, it's the, it's the machine of death. It's made of paper. It looks like the doors are going to fall off. And if you stand too close to it, it will chop your head off. It's not, they're not nice things, actually, helicopters. It was, was amazing, but not nice. Yeah, but our, our illustrious leader, Will, goes about them in all the time, doesn't he? He doesn't use cars anymore. Yeah, he's Inspector Gadget, isn't he? So he just starts go, go, gadget helicopter and <laughs> the propeller blades pop out his head. That would explain why his trousers are always too short for him. And why he's so twitchy. He's a very twitchy man. <laughs> anyway, enough of this uh, frippery. Enough. Let's get into <laughs> some games. That's the cover. Hey, it's Renegade that's 3. The cover. But we're not talking nice about Renegade tea. 3 this week. Uh, no, we're not. Should we get into our first game? Let's go. Let's do that. And Graham, it's over to you to tell us all about what it's like to be a lovely silkworm. Ah, precious silkworms. Brought to you from the sales curve, this was. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a sizzler, sizzler, sizzler. So mm-hmm. you know, one of the biggies. Had a real big splasheroo of a review in the old zap, didn't it? This, goodness me, wow. It's like, good. Big boom, bang a lang a ding dong. So, or, you know, this <laughs> judging by the color scheme and the, the shouting at you that the review did, you think, wow, this must be great. This is copyright Tecmo, of course, because it's an arcade conversion. The developer was Random Access. Not like the sound of that, um, but it was coded by Warren Mills. Is that you with a different name? Technically, uh, yes, it is. That's correct. It is. It's you with a different name. <laughs> okay, can't yeah, deny I'll go it. With it. Okay. The graphics are by Edward Langman, and the musician here is miscredited because in the Zap review. It says that it's uh, Ben Daglish, and they go, they great music from Ben Daglish. Wrong. The music's by Barry Leach. Get it, it right, Zap. Get it bloody mm. right. Honestly, what are they trying to run? Anyway, the scenario is as follows. Nuclear arms were outlawed by a series of international treaties after the Fourth Great War, and now civilization has returned to low explosive weapon systems with high delivery rates. War has almost gone green. <laughs> Ooh. How bizarre. Weight of numbers together with very high firing rates goes partway towards making up the shortfall in power occasioned by the ban on nuclear weapons. But even though the generals have been provided with an incredible number of tanks, planes, choppers, mines, and field guns to play with, they are not at all pleased. They are, in fact, well unhappy. I'm starting to (laughs) sense that the person who wrote this was quite young. (laughs) Well unhappy. It actually says that. It actually says it in the instructions. This is verbatim. The commanders of the One Continent Alliance... (laughs) 
the Incontinent Alliance. Are you the Incontinent Alliance? No, it's the damn it's the one continent. <laughs> no, we're changing that name. We're changing no, we're the, the name. Continent of, the continent of one nation. <laughs> Bloody people's um, front of Judea. <laughs> um, anyway, they the one continent alliance have joined forces to show the political leaders that they have the power. They have the power. All the land, sea, and the subterranean forces, the subterranean forces of the alliance have rebelled. And a military coup looks inevitable. A coup de grace. Um, our planet is only just clinging to its path through the solar system. I'm sensing a peculiar jump in the story, but go with it, what? please. Our planet is only just clinging to its path through the solar system, having been set wobbling like a top by the energy release in the last of the nuclear wars. Should the generals succeed in seizing power, they will return to the nuclear technology of war, and the Earth will almost certainly be sent spinning off its orbit into the wastes of space as yet another nuclear war begins. Okay. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> One small hope for the future of Earth remains. A group of weapons scientists working on advanced helicopter and land vehicle projects remain loyal to the people rather than the military. If drivers and pilots can be found for the prototype vehicles in loyal hands, an attempt to fight through the waves of advancing troops could be staged. There is a very, very small possibility that a skilled pilot or driver could take out all the generals. Those odds would be improved if a driver and a pilot could be found. Double the odds. <clears throat> Double the odds. Okay. Earth's chances of survival hang on a thread. A thread so gossamer fine that it could be made of silk. <laughs> God. <laughs> I didn't add that. That's in the instructions. I, I know. I remember reading that bit and going, ah. <laughs> Realising this, the weapon scientist codenamed Civilization's last stand, Operation Silkworm. Ah, makes sense now. <sighs> Step forward, hero. Read the briefing and take the controls. Are you excited about this, Agent? No, this, stop reminds, me of from re- this off? reminds me of reading work submitted by students when you're like, I can't I read this. It takes me 10 minutes to read stuff. <laughs> read a sentence. It's exciting, isn't it? You're going to stop the Earth from you know, wobbling away because you know we caused all of the nuclear bombs going off caused the, caused the Earth to wobble. It's a wobbly Earth. We're on wobbly <laughs> Earth. So, no, it's like, can you feel that? The Earth's got a right wobble on it. Anyway, so the mission briefing. Not surprisingly, weapon scientists are not experts at military intelligence. I would say that's probably somewhat surprising, but okay. The data they have collected for the benefit of heroes is minimal, but nevertheless useful. Mm. Whether you are working solo or as part of a two-man team, or let's call it a two-person team, come on. The objective is the same. Blast your way to the end of the current level before the time limit expires. The more enemy forces you destroy in the way, the better your chance of survival and the more hero points earned. Time remaining at the end of a level is converted into points. Landmines, when shot, releases a cloud of plasma gas. Drive or fly into a sparkling plasma cloud and for a while it acts as a shield, protecting you from enemy fire and collisions. If two plasma clouds are on the screen at one time, collect the first and shoot or run into the second to create a smart bomb explosion. Gooseneck holic... (laughs) Gooseneck helicopters fly onto the screen as component parts and then assemble themselves so you will recognize one the moment you see it. I can tell you, you will. I wouldn't call it gooseneck, but okay. Only the exposed neck section is vulnerable to attacks and it can take many hits. Destroy a gooseneck, however, and additional weapon systems can be collected. Ooh. It's what you could have won. (laughs) It's what you could have won. The generals who are threatening the existence of the planet are found at the end of each level, lurking inside their command craft. While not indestructible, these vehicles are heavily armoured and can take multiple hits before being destroyed. To complete a level, the general has to be killed. Good luck, volunteer. Okay. (laughs) didn't even bother to learn your name. No, of course they didn't, because they know that you're going to die. And horribly. You ain't going to be able to stop the old earth from wobbling off. No one's doing that. (laughs) 
So this is a Silkworm is actually a horizontally scrolling shooter developed by Tecmo and was first released in the arcades in 1988. An arcade I don't believe I've ever seen knowingly, or if I have and played it, don't remember much about it. So there you go. There is a decent bit of music on the loading screen, which is a kind of green helmet, kind of mysterious looking really when it loads. Mm. So, but there is a, a quite a nice loading screener, quite a nice lo- bit of loading music that happens there, but there is no other mu- music in the game. So that's no. the only bit you're going to get. So enjoy it when you get it. Now, I found the game to be quite interesting in its own way. The game is a, I think, I feel a competent one or two player cop side-scrolling shooter, of course. Fairly simple title screen appears in the usual kind of layout. Basic logo text layout for this one. You can play as either a helicopter or a jeep or both, which is probably the recommended way to play this game. Because I felt that if you play um, one player and you're either the helicopter or the jeep, you're never going to do it in a million years. It's not really the game that's designed for that. And it's also a multi-load, just so you know, on the old C64. There is the, I think they dual review the Amiga one, don't they, in the reviewing zap? Um, yeah, yeah this, they I do, think, yes. as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they both scored quite highly as well. Um, the UI, um, when the game does start, so once you press, you know, choose your Jeep or helicopter or whatever you're going to play, the UI at the top is three rows of characters, and then there's two kind of rows at the bottom with the rest of the screen is your game window. At the top is your high score and the current scores and sort of... Um, the time on the level is at the bottom and the wave number as well and the number of enemies remaining to destroy before you get the weapon turtle, whatever it was. <laughs> the gooseneck. The gooseneck, the fancy gooseneck thing. I thought the graphics in this game were quite nice. Played like the arcade, I suppose. I, I didn't play the arcade for this, actually. I just watched a bit of YouTube and, it, you know, there was a similarity. It looked, you know, it looked like an 8-bit version of it. I'll, I'll give it that. Mm-hmm. The initial level, I thought, was reasonably uh, well realised with that nice mountainscape at the background. Across the bottom, you've got scrolling, dithered green ground and some various enemy waves coming you in kind of standard wavy, wavy pattern formation with the occasional bullet firing at you. Enemies do also fly on from the behind you as well uh, in wavy, wavy patterns and sort of zigzaggy patterns, the usual kind of shoot them up fair mm-hmm. they do come across the bottom as well and you'll also get not across the bottom of the screen um got to be clear about this you know what the uh, podcast police are like <laughs> and things will shoot at you and also you can shoot at them when it says these things that release plasma clouds there are these kind of i don't like landing pad almost things that are at the bottom and you can shoot them as well um, and then when you do that you can release the plasma clouds and of course one can be a shield and then you can sort of blow them up for a smart bomb quite nice the way it works not terrible mm. there's some helicopters as well so the sprites the design of the sprites is generally military based so helicopters and stuff like that so it's mm-hmm. not going into the fantasy realms of an, of an R-type or anything like that not really there's a little bit of it maybe a little but it's not terrible and there's quite a lot of bullets flying around including bullets and homing missiles and things that aim towards you as well it's quite a lot going on on the screen. As the helicopter, you can shoot forwards, and it also automatically shoots at an angle downwards as well, sort of forwards and down yep. um, towards the ground at the same time, which is quite nice, you know. And also, you can hold the fire button down for kind of kind of rapid fire, or you can hammer your fire button and do you know super fire. So, yeah. you, so you, it depends how you want to play it. Really, you can be the lazy approach won't help you really because the waves of sprites tend to be about six or seven sprites. It multiplexes pretty effectively. Generally, there is some. Issues I'll come to about that. But on the whole, these there's enough sprites on there for you to shoot. But weirdly in this game, when you think when you shoot the full regalia of enemies, you'd get a like a bonus or something like that. Unusual for shooting them up, you don't in this. No, you um, not. You have to shoot all the uh, the numbers, the number of enemies at the bottom, which is about 30, I think, when you first start. You've got to shoot all 30 to unleash the goose turtle, whatever the hell it was again, the goose <laughs> helicopter, the goosey. Gooseneck. This thing, this gooseneck thing assembles itself in front of your eyes. It looks weird. Hard to really explain that. It looked like a wooden spoon. <laughs> but anyway, FPP is you shoot it a few times and then it just drops a thing that says X2. And I think I think that you can do more of that and it, it you know you get more stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. In in the standard way these things work. The idea, of course, in these games, well, it's fairly simple. Kill everything, blow everything up, shoot everything, and survive to the end to the end boss where you can then shoot that boss. So you've got to shoot everything, trying to upgrade as best you can, trying to avoid stuff. Actually, you'll probably spend more time avoiding than shooting in this because it's a game where you need to be on your toes a little bit. Some of the ground item, like I said, reveal that kind of plasma cloud thing, so that you can work that to your advantage, and that does help you in certain screens. Just when you, they tend to have those just at the right moments. I felt. Mm-hmm. The enemies will keep on coming though till you blow up enough to you know to either unleash the goose neck or <laughs> once you sort of get far enough you'll be at the end of the um, the end of the level <laughs> and then um, the uh, the boss will appear in his armored helicopter and then of course it follows standard standard pattern. They're disappointingly small the the, the boss fights in this game. I felt I was expecting yeah. something bigger. So this kind of in fact all the sprites are kind of small. And it sort of works in its own way. They're just, I don't know, is that, does it feel like you're just a little bit too far away? I don't know. But the enemies do keep on coming as well. And there's waves and waves and waves and waves and waves. You'll see the tally go down as you do kill them. So, and like I said, you know, the, mis- the mysterious goose turtle, whatever appears, <laughs> you get the times two thing. I don't really know what that did. I didn't really live long enough to really do much with it. I don't know if it speeded me up or whatever it did. But anyway, I got it a couple of times. Now, as the Jeep, you're obviously on the ground. You can fire and shoot, but you can actually rotate the turret about sort of 180 degrees overhead, which with the joystick controls. All the joystick controls are pretty intuitive. There's nothing crazy. Run, move around, shoot. But you can sort of angle your turret on the Jeep as well, which is quite nice. But it does yeah. leave you massively vulnerable to front attacks all the time. <laughs> yeah. And because it doesn't move back fast enough to shoot, you're never going to make it. And I'm just going to say this to you now. <laughs> yeah. If you really want to get to the end of the level, you're going to need to be the helicopter. Because you you're never going to do it on one player Jeep. No. Or two players playing Jeep and helicopter is really the only way you're going to really get through the entire game. There is no way in hell and high water <laughs> you will complete this game on one player in either of those things. It's just not going to happen. Sorry to disappoint you. So that's, and that's principally how the play, game plays out. The main sort of stay of the game with the scrolling background. So all the scrolling is quite competent and everything else. The presentation was all quite decent, although I found there was a lot of bugs in this. I don't know if you encountered the bugs, but mm. I, I, I count quite a it's lot. Flicky. So it's really flicky and glitchy and entire screen glitch as well. So it kind of, you know, it was a clearly bugs in the multiplex code and especially yeah. when it seemed to ha- occur where after the goose neck appeared because that appears in like a multi-part thing yeah, flies yeah, yeah. around the screen and assembles and then when it did that it kind of broke everything i had enemies coming at me that were half formed it was it was all yeah. a bit weird reminded uh, me of so something had gone wrong yeah yeah something had, but something had gone wrong and it's clearly clearly started to affect the functionality of the game and it actually it was disruptive to the point when it made the game not very good, I have to say, which is kind of disappointing. Mm. The sound effects are pretty perfunctory as well throughout the game. They're not exciting sound effects. They're not going to make you go, wow, you know, it's you know the usual bloops and blanks, which for a game of this type, when it's a single, when it's multi-load as well, seems a little bit unforgivable when we've seen so many shooters have music and sound and sound effects. I don't quite get why you know, it was one or the other in this, but okay. It was fast, very challenging, too challenging, really, for me. I, I said in the last episode, my hand-eye coordination is now being defeated by these shooting ups This was no <laughs> exception. I got as far as the end of the first level, which I felt was great as a helicopter. I didn't get off the first bit of the first screen as the Jeep. I was dead in seconds. It was total waste of time. The later backgrounds that I checked out seemed to be okay. Variations of a theme, though. There wasn't a lot of variety, and in fact, that's kind of one of the big problems with this is just a bit dreary. The bosses, such as they are, and yeah, when they appear, you're going to be just prepare yourself for the underwhelmingness of those. And they're not particularly difficult to defeat, although. And so when you do get to the next level, it's kind of like, oh, you know, it's, it's one of the levels was like a sort of a multicolored background effect of a mountainous region. But I was like, ah, it's just, why did you do? There's so much dithering. It's like this gone dither mad. Don't do that much dithering. <laughs> Um, I felt that the gameplay was there in it, as a shooter, but it lacked variety. It felt like I was 
almost shooting the same patterns of enemies over and over and over again. There wasn't a lot of variety in them. You know, three wiggle, 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 come from the front, wiggle, 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 come from the front below, then some from behind, then whirly, whirly, then a couple of shooters from the bottom, take them out. There was a pattern to them and it felt quite repetitive. And I, and I noticed it more as I went on the helicopter thinking, have I not just been through and repeated the same thing over and over again here? And it was, as I started to get a bit further in, I'm like, mm. I could only imagine, I didn't play it two player. I think that's the way you're going to have to play this to really enjoy it because I don't think this is very successful in a one-player version at all. I think the Zap score for this is a work of fiction, I have to say. I mean, it's an okay shooter, okay, but these buggy graphics aren't great. There's no music other than that title screen. It's limited sounds, very repetitive gameplay. How did it get 91%? It's it's a 65, 60% or all the way, this. It's an okay conversion, I guess, but a Sizzler, do me a favour, no chance. What did you think? I think I enjoyed it a bit more than you did. But I, I think you, your, your, all your criticisms are, are spot on. I think it's just how much you, you get on with it. I don't know. I mean, I thought this is a decent C64 version of the arcade game that, like you said, suffers a bit, well, suffers in the technical side of things when we get bosses on screen and there's quite a lot of sprite flickering going on, which is annoying. Because it's not, it doesn't flicker during the main levels. So, it, no. so that's why I said it reminded me in that in that that sense of what we got with Salamander because Salamander's solid as hell during the levels and has loads of flickering and slowdown when we get to the bosses. This is the same problem. It's the same thing. So, I mean, it's good that we get all 11 levels of the arcade. So that's nice that they've, fit, they've got the entire well, they're arcade dreary, game. Though. Well, I mean, I didn't find them dreary. I just found them what, what they are. I mean, it's got the all-important two-player co-op mode as well. The ability to play is either Jeep or helicopter. So I'm, it's good that they've, you can imagine, I mean, if you think of something like Double Dragon where they've, we can't do two players and we can't do this sort of thing. It's like, it's good that they've actually got all the yeah, features yeah, of the arcade in. Um, I thought, like you said, the graphics were good. I thought they were all right. A little, like you said, a little small in comparison to the arcade, but I played the arcade when I chucked it on MAME, had a play of it. They're too big in the arcade game. They're massive. <laughs> the helicopters are huge. Yeah. There's barely any space to move around and you're like, ah, so big. To be fair, you could have just sat further away from your screen. <laughs> I could have, yeah, that is very true. But so with this, so this you've got a lot more room to move around in. Suppose that's nice, I guess. But and the sound effects are okay, like you said. The controls are fast and responsive. I had no problem with the controls. There's a good loading tune, as you said, but it's a shame there's no in-game music. Is it, it feels a bit it flat. It. it feels a bit flat. Yeah. A bit bit of music. Even just some like even just a, a bass that like remember Green Beret? Green Beret just has that something simple. It just just needed something. You know, the, the arcade has the music in the background. They could have had a version of the arcade in there. I don't see why they couldn't. I don't know. I, I enjoyed this. Yeah, probably not a Sizzler. For me, it's probably somewhere in the low 80s, like high 70s, low 80s. It's okay. I mean, it's a bit of difference. It's it's better than some of the shit we've seen recently. It's an okay arcade. It's a bit flat as in the landscapes as well. The landscapes in the arcades are much more, you know, where they're placed on the on the sort of screen is up and down. It's like hills and stuff. This is very, it's just flat. It's just very, yep. very flat. So, you know, it is what it is. They've done a, you know, it's a C64 version of Silkworm. I like, I mean, obviously we're going to see Swiv some point. Yeah, it's the unofficial sequel to Silkworm, isn't it? Yeah, so. it is. Yeah, I mean, it's Silkworm IV in it, so it's yeah. SWIV, so it is that. But Swiv also has the same kind of, it's interesting playing this and you see those same things. So Swiv has those bubbles that you can either use as a shield or shoot for smart bombs, same, right. same kind of thing. It also has the bosses that come on and form in front of you, same kind big. of thing as the Goots next, yeah. So things like that, you can see that they've taken from this, just obviously just changed the viewpoint. And obviously as well, you always play it in helicopter and never ever play it in the Jeep mode in Swiv, so because that's just crazy and uh, suicidal I, I thought this was all right i quite enjoyed blasting around in this for a while but i don't think it should have been a sizzler but um it's just a bit it's just a bit technically wanting and a bit flat i think is mm. the the things that let it down which are a That's bit of a true. shame but but there you go silkworm it's all right but not a sizzler there we yeah. go let's move on 
drive along, fly along in our helicopter onto our next game. This is Turbo Esprit. <laughs> is it? It is. 9%. This is a one ninety nine game that got 9%. Wowza. Uh, from the dark depths of 1986 comes Turbo Esprit from Durell. Remember Durell? Durell. I remember Durell, yeah. They made the Yorkshire Pudding game. They did, and um, Saboteur. They did, yeah. This was this was a big deal on the Spectrum when it came out. A huge deal, massive deal, 1986. And uh, it's not as good. The Amstrad version was decent enough, too. I had a look at both of those versions, because um, I thought I'd have a bit of an investigate into this. But th- this was never actually released on its own in 1986 for the Commodore 64, full price. It wasn't. No, no magazine seemed to have a review of it. And I found an article on Eurogamer on the making of it, and it just states that the C64 version fell apart and so was deemed unworthy of release. Now, considering some of the crap we've had to play that they released, that people have released, how bad was it that it was deemed unworthy? (laughs) I think you know the answer to that question. It did, however, make its way to Durell's Big Four compilation release. So it did actually get a release. It was just on a compilation. Durell's Big Four, which also had combat links, Critical Mass the Yorkshire Pudding game, and Saboteur on it. So, But calling it Big Four, where one of the games was thought of as too shit to release on its own, feels a bit disingenuous. It's like three and a bit. It's like the big three. It's like the big three and a little one. (laughs) Or whatever. (laughs) Anyway, time passes. Three years later, here we have that same game, unfit for release, put out on budget by Encore for £1.99. So this is Elite now, because the Elite Encore is the Elite's budget range, isn't it? So we're Elite right to put it out. Does the budget price save it? 9%. Well, there's no credits for this version that I could find. No one has dared put their name to this C64 version. I don't know who did it. Why? I don't know where it came from. It worked on it. Somebody at Durrell would know. I had no idea. I'd love to know who did this, but nobody has come forth to admit this crime. Not even the music. <laughs> I can't find anyone. No one. All right. Yeah, so what's the story right here? Yeah. What's the story here? I found the instructions and the instructions don't actually tell you much about the story. So that I think you're a cop, but I'm not sure why. <laughs> so I guess you must be, but I'm not sure it outright states that anywhere. Because nope. you're driving, you're driving, you're, you're driving the titular Lotus Turbo Esprit. To, I don't know what cops drive the Lotus Turbo Esprit. Not and it's that. your job to drive around a city and stop a huge drug delivery taking place somewhere in order to do this. <laughs> you must take down the armoured car smuggling in the drugs after it's delivered uh, the drugs to the four delivery cars and then take down those as well once they have taken possession of the merchandise. So that's the aim of the game. So the game yeah. starts with you being able to choose from four different cities, Highham, Heatherset, Charlton, and Leafield. I am. <laughs> this is one of the odd things about this game is the distinct Britishness of it, but wrapped around a decidedly American style story. It's really weird because yeah. it feels like sort of based on something like Knight Rider, Miami Vice, those kind of things, but it's set in Heatherset, <laughs> wherever that is, <laughs> or Leafield, and you drive on the left. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just dead weird. It's a really weird game. Weird is right. Pick wisely from the four cities because you want because you want to play another. You have to reset the machine and load it all in again. So oh you know. So anyway, ouch. Once you picked, once you picked, we have our very basic title screen with everything in good old Commodore font, just different coloured. Always a good sign oh. that is when they've not even changed the font. It's terrible. Options here to play with keyboard or joystick. Change the difficulty level from one easiest to four hardest. Have a practice. Uh, which means just drive around an empty city. Uh, or finally start a game. Or you can have a look at the high scores. So pressing five starts the game. Now, 
in my game, there was no no sound of engines. I don't know if it happened. You got any sound effects for the engines in yours? There was none in mine. Um, I did watch a YouTube video of this, and it had horrible, horrible engine noises. Horrible. No. So no, I'm no. kind of so I didn't know if it could turn on, but there were other noises coming in, so I didn't don't know what would had gone on with. I just kept myself lucky. The screen is split across the middle horizontally, with a top view showing your car and the city, and the kind of behind the car. You, well, you're sort of just hovering above the center of the roadway and your car moves left and right across that roadway and forward. So you, you, you kind of it looking down, just basically down the center of a road from slightly higher up. And at the bottom is your dashboard. So on the dashboard is your steering wheel, your fuel gauge, speedo, rev counter, indicators, and the engine temperature. Beneath this, there's a further basic UI in Commodore font showing the street you are on, your penalty score and your normal score. Uh, you can gain penalty points for doing bad things like blowing up other cars and running over people. And there's a gap for messages to appear to tell you where the enemies are so you can navigate to them. You can press M at any stage to bring up a map. Be careful, though, as you don't stop moving. You don't stop driving whilst you do. Play still continues on in the background. <laughs> and you can scroll across this with the joystick to try and plot the best route to the criminals. The top half of the screen is your view, as I said. And at the bottom of this view is your super cool Lotus Turbo Esprit. You see it from quite high. Like I said, you see it from quite a high vantage point behind. Uh, and the city is depicted around you by a series of grey boxes for the buildings. And the road disappears off in front of you in a perspective. Forward on the joystick increases speed. And back is to brake. You can steer across the multi-lane highway. You are on with left and right. So you change lane, just left and right and whatever you want and should you wish to turn round or turn left or right at a junction then it's left right and fire so it's if you want to turn left it's left and fire so if you are going to turn round, you can you just better make sure that the road is wide enough um and you're going slow enough so you have to slow right down and so, so there is some you know you're not going to just going to pull a hairpin turn you're going at 100 miles an hour not that it ever right. feels like you're going 100 miles an hour you can also shoot your machine gun by pressing fire as well there are other cars on the road that need to be avoided and pedestrians wander about on the on the um on the sidewalks or the p- paths whatever you want to call them there are uh, and you must stop for crossing crossings and traffic lights when they are red, supposedly. Should you find the ne'er-do-wells criminals, then you can shoot them or try to ram them off the road before they get back to their hideout and escape your clutches, at which point they will disappear off the map. All this sounds exciting. And indeed, on the Spectrum, and to a less extent the Amstrad, it was. The graphics were excellent back then with, on the Spectrum, with really well-drawn cars and a good sense of speed. The city felt alive, loads of cars and stuff, and it felt quite... Size was good. The size of the cars fit. It felt looked good. I went watching this on YouTube. And it was rightly hailed as one of the best games on the machine, well, the Spectrum. You know, this is considered a real standout moment on the Spec-E. And fair play, <laughs> I can see why. Yeah, but then maybe. we have this version, and things are just all kinds of wrong here. So... When you start driving, I didn't know if you noticed this, the screen glitches to reveal the character that was used to make up the screen graphics. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, glitch, um, Glitches with bad. Yeah, um, and you can repeat this by just speeding up slightly and slowing down to zero, then speeding up again. And it just fills up with L's and um, X, uh, at, <laughs> uh, uh, the at yeah. symbols. So that's the character they've used or they've redrawn. And it just you can just make it happen every single time. And that's bad. That's shoddy coding. From there, we've got the visuals. Your car looks less like a supercar that does a shoebox. I don't know what it is. It's just a red block. <laughs> it's a red box with yellow windows. On the other versions, yeah. the cars look great. On this, oncoming cars are a bland blob of pixels that slowly get better. Pedestrians are dreadful stick people that flicker and mangle their way down the sidewalks on either side of the road. Your machine gun is just a Thank line God. and blows cars up into ugly yellow splats when you hit them. The 3D effect is not terrible, but the grey cardboard boxes that make up the city are just the dullest thing you could have done to make this work. What this all means is that this is a dreadful port of a classic on another system. And one might say it was to Jurel's credit that they took one look at it back in 1986 and said several Hail Marys, got out the rosary beads, 
and just said, no, 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 no. And only ever released it on a compilation as kind of no. some bonus. And it really should have been released as a, it really should have never even seen the light of day then. I mean, okay, it functions and you can play it and there are different the different maps and you can plot your way around and stuff like that, but it's just awful, awful. It is. This reflects really badly on Elite here. Because for whatever reason, they've decided to throw this out at two quid. And even for that, it's robbery. You know, the biggest crime here that you should be hunting down across that city are the, you know, the people at Elite um, and asking them and ramming them off the road and finding out why they exactly they decided to release this. If this game had been about driving around the city in order to stop delivery vans, like I said, delivering this game to boots and the like, I could have got more behind it, but it's not. The dreadful thing that should have stayed locked up. This is an awful, awful facsimile normally you know we see spectrum games and there's certain things but this is a sort of a landmark game on the spectrum and on the c64 what it should it could have been it should have been better it's it's awful ugly horrible nasty blah what what a terrible terrible thing i mean for two quid terrible awful what did you think it's a re-release too far for me this this should just rubbish it's rubbish buggy rubbish it should never have been released no, not never. Ever. I mean, and the fact that it wasn't, and then somebody did release it, it's just, it should never have been put out there. The fact that people would have been stung for this is just blatant. It's it's robbery. It's, it's just, it's not nice. It's a not nice thing. I mean, it's everything is as basic as it gets and worse. That title screen made me laugh out loud though. I was like, wow. That's like the most basic bit of machine code you can do on a C64, if it's indeed even in machine code, and it could easily be basic, this, is making characters appear on the screen. I mean, it's really easy. to You can poke that. <laughs> you can just poke the, you know, you've got you've got the registers from 0400 yeah. onwards, or 0400 to 0800, poke a value into anywhere in there, and it'll appear on the screen. It's not hard to do what they've done. So it's it's literally stupid crap. The graphics, when you get into the game, I was like, I mean, okay. I don't know. No, maybe this is in a moment of sheer unadulterated genius under the platforms. Well, I don't want this is. This was rubbish beyond anything I could comprehend. It was crap. Mm. It was buggy crap. It didn't work properly. I th- I'm pretty sure at one point I was pressing a key and going backwards. I'm like, am I going backwards? It looks like those buildings. And it's like glitching and freaking out. And I was like, oh God, this is awful. No, it's simple. This shouldn't have been released. There's nothing, I have nothing to add to what you said other than this should not have been released. And it got 9%. It should have got nothing. 0%. It should never have been released. This is literally terrible and a ripoff so no terrible terrible thing bad bad awful no don't like it go away bad <laughs> indeed there you go that's turbo esprit turbo S- i'm not gonna say it oh it did make me laugh that's the only thing about it that i could say it's good it was like oh so bad let's move along because the next one made me laugh as well let's move into that one Graham, dun, 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 dun. Hey, it's your turn to tell us all about action service. I really, I actually don't. For the one of the first times ever, I don't want to really. <laughs> just hum the tune. We'll just hum the tune at each other. <laughs> tune for this. I mean, I'm saying it from the start. It will. It is the sort of thing <laughs> Satan has written. This is the Satan Sid. It is utterly earworm derivative. It's. Just you know what? Do yourself a favor. If you even if you are even gonna if you follow this podcast and you you play along with the games, turn the volume down before you load this one. Just do yourself <laughs> that favor because once it invades your brain, honestly, it's like a parasite. <laughs> this was published by Infograms, and I don't forgive them for this, but it was no. published for that by them. It was developed by Cobrasoft. Cobrasoft, come on, Cobrasoft. 
really. No, I'm pretty sure they're probably French or, you know, they're not, they're certainly, you know, the, the instructions were kind of written in some kind of language, you know, and translated, I feel. I have them here. The action service instructions are as follows. Somewhere in Europe, <laughs> <laughs> a top secret training camp where the cream of the crop from the action services must spend a day in order to prepare for top secret missions with the famous Cobra Command. Today it is your turn to volunteer for a perilous mission. Your participation and your role in the mission depends on your performance here. You should realise that after this ruthless selection, the mission itself will not be a party, but an adventure where you risk losing your life. However, there is still time to pack up your kit and return home. Do that. (laughs) Do that. Do that. (laughs) Take the tape out of the cassette or whatever you've loaded in disc, maybe. Get a hammer and smash it to pieces right there and then. You're doing yourself a world of favours, I'm telling you. So there are stages to this. There's actually a constructor mode for this as well. I actually didn't explore that because it's a nightmare of epic proportions to even get through the beginning bit of this game, let alone that stupid thing where it's got the mysterious edit button. Anyway, (laughs) I'll come to a little bit of that. So action service one stage commando. The game functions in two modes. Each of these modes will be accessible by pressing the relevant button on the control post slash or in brackets screen. Play mode. Your task consists of three imposing tests. The physical route. Physical tests where you must negotiate as quickly as possible many objects, walls, ditches, ladders, without tripping over them as they litter your path. You must react in a split second to the orders from the leaders, push-ups, air raid, and attempt to escape from Rex, the combat dog, trained to thwart your progress. Yes, in this game, you'll punch your dog. It's exciting, isn't it? <laughs> Not the first, only time we'll do that this week. <laughs> <laughs> the risk route where you have to show your skill in handling grenades and bombs, also avoiding mines and the FM rifles, which sweep the floor. After that... It is a question of how you can avoid Rex, who is always on the loose. More dog punching. Good that. (laughs) The close combat test. Here, you come to meet your adversaries who are giving nothing away. What a weird thing to say about them. (laughs) Are you you an adversary? I'm not saying. (laughs) I'm giving nothing away. (laughs) What are you doing here? I'm not saying. (laughs) Are you going to attack me? I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm giving, I am giving nothing, nothing away. Away. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It could be actually someone. Remember TV? That TV show. That's life. <laughs> it's the it's the guy from That's Life. I'm sorry. I'm really giving nothing away. <laughs> Can I have a sweet? I just said I'm giving nothing away. Your pals are ready to take your place. Should you fail here, you have to put up with the rubber bullets, the exercise grenades. What are exercise grenades? I like them crazy. It's like, they hit you. They just make you drop 20, drop and do 20. It says, right, get, get this. Here you have to put up with the, rub, the rubber bullets, the exercise grenades, and the blows from your opponent's kicks. In order to neutralize the guards and bring them down, all methods are permitted, including trickery and cheating. What? I met up with your wife last night. Damn you, you've taken me down. <laughs> right, okay. So there's play modes to this. In, in play mode, because there's edit mode and play mode. And edit mode is where you make your own Christ knows what. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what you would make out of this. I don't know, a hat? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm giving nothing away. <laughs> I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to def- defer back because... At this point, I'll, I will jump into the sort of controls a little bit because they're really, really stupid, they like are crazy, ridiculous. It's like the crazy controls. But at this moment in time, I'm just going to go because the game will be loading in now, and you'll get the crappy block loading screen. 
depicting two confused soldiers in blocko vision. <laughs> this look confused. And they're confused because they are confused, like you're confused. Like, what is this? One of them looks like an what old man. What does it man. all mean? Like just helping yeah. an old soldier across the road. Come on, come on. <laughs> when it when it finally loads, because the, the, the two soldiers are dressed in green fatigues, so they're in some kind of army. It's not really clear which army that might be. It could be any army. And they're giving nothing away, Adrian. Nothing. <laughs> nothing away. I, I could discern nothing about them. <laughs> A confusing selection screen appears. <laughs> this is mind blowing. It's, it's honestly, this is UI invented by someone who was crazy. I could, I had no idea what that title screen was. So the things were appearing when I pushed things or did stuff. Like, hey, what's happened? <laughs> I mean, it's it's a control of this, the control. Right, so it's a it's a confusing array of selection screens at best. Visually unappealing, really, in every possible conceivable way. Bad to navigate. Logically unsound, and most of all, just plain <laughs> dumb. The control of your selection, such as you do control it, is with a weird joystick control that has a complete mind of its own and no logic applied. I was going right, and it just went left. And then I went left, and it just went right. I'm like, what are you doing? Why aren't you going over the thing? And not that there's any indication of the items, because all the instructions tell you what the various push buttons do on the display, because the actual display that you make these selections from is a dazzling array of boxes that don't mean anything, that don't seem to mean anything. And they open and close at random, don't they? They just sort of... They do. Now, there's a panel at the bottom of the screen with eight buttons on it. Um, mm-hmm. And in the in the actual control of this, you control a, a sort of a, a selector for want of a better description, but that's what you control. And you have a, you press the C key to confirm things, and you can do use the left and right arrows. Although they didn't always work. Nope. And you're meant to choose a function that corresponds to what you want to do. So you position your cursor over the one of the key things on the keypad thing on the screen. You select that. Now they're, they're numbered, so there's one, two, eight, but you've got no idea what they are. And when nope. you do click on them, and something happens, it's not really immediately obvious what that is. <laughs> So now it does tell you in the instructions. So if you click on number one, you get your mission orders showing the best 12 scores. It's not your mission orders. That just shows you the scores. <laughs> so then you click on number two and that's leave game and quit to basic, which you'll only discover by doing that. And it quits to basic. And you're like, oh, okay. That's okay then. All right. Weird. Number three is change the name of the player, which you can do. So you can change it. You've got about six characters, I think. So you can type in, you know, I typed in Steve. Number four is choose and carry out route, which is when that's how you get to the next bit. Option four. Not a giant go button or something obvious. And there's actually four other options on top of this one. So you think it would be number eight would be the, but no, 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 no. Number five is loading and saving of scores. Why would you ever accumulate a score in, in order to save it, let alone load it in? And then number six, it just says, this button is of no use. <laughs> Why put it there then? <laughs> so there is actually a button on here that is of no use. It even says that in the instructions. Number six, this button is of no use. It's giving it's nothing no use. away. Nothing, it's no use. <laughs> Number seven, it says, is checking scores achieved by a player in all the games. And then number eight is checking scores of the current game displayed on screen four. You can see the scores of the five best players in that game. Are you confused? Because you will be. Yep. Anyway. And this is this is before you've even got into the game. This is just trying to get into the bloody game. So you'll go through that. The selection display is that, like I say, it's like a confusing array of boxes with badly drawn soldiers in there here and there and some kind of stats. And eventually you'll figure out that you press number four and that gets you to the next bit when the game starts or when you like i say you select press number four and then by the way you press the press the button then yeah there's a giant button at the bottom you have to click as well so you have to press the activate button so it's not that you can just click on four and go you've got to press the button and then go why why is that window so confusing why can't you just have start game (laughs) oh dear me anyway when the game does start 
And unfortunately, it does. This is when the real pain of this thing begins. So the display is split into three rows. On row one, you've got four squares. And reading left to right, you've got a weirdly drawn image of a soldier with a bad moustache, an empty box, the name and some scores, which is zero, and a confused-looking soldier also badly drawn on the right. So in row two... This is where the badly scrolling game window exists with a kind of side view of a soldier, which is literally impossible to control in any logical way. It's worse than... Um, the, what was that? What's that 19. game? Was it, it's worse than 19. Yeah, it's way and worse. And I didn't think that was even possible. Way worse no. than that. You can't control this guy. He just, you know, he does crazy stuff. He's yeah. the crazy soldier. I, mean, I kid you not, I ran... And this, you know, I have no idea what you're really meant to be doing by this point. It's, there's nothing given away about what the game is actually about. So at this point, I thought, right, I better move the joystick. So in one step of moving the one movement of the joystick, I ran, fell over, crawled prone, crouched, walked, stood up, fell backwards, somersaulted <laughs> backwards, fell over again, and then grabbed machine gun and started shooting randomly. <laughs> and that all felt like it was all from one control. <laughs> Like, what's going on? What, what happened? What, what happened here? <laughs> there was literally eyebrows? no logic. And that's, 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 it was, that's what it was like. I'm like, hang on a minute. So at one point I crouched down because I, I was trying to leap over this obstacle and it wouldn't do it. So I crouched down and then I couldn't get back up again. And then you have to press fire, tap fire button to stand up. And then when I <laughs> tap fire button again, he got his machine gun out. And he was like, da, 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 da. I was like, so I put the machine gun away by pressing down, I think. And it was just, it's ridiculous. And I'll explain how that does actually work in a minute. At the bottom row, by the way, there's some kind of score indication, a giant countdown clock, a button console that's on from the, so the basically component parts of the title screen down there, but you can't get to them. No. So I don't quite know what they're for. They're just there for show, I guess. Really weird. <sighs> now it says, of, says of, the, of the controls, just so, you know, just so we're clear about how we move things. It says, moving the game figure. All actions of the game can be controlled using a joystick or the keyboard with the same correspondences as the use of the console. Uh-oh. Pressing left arrow in the upper left of the keyboard abandons the route. Use the run-stop key to interrupt the game. Press any key to continue. There are several command levels, each one depending on your position. Starting position standing, up is throw grenade, dive is to the left, run is to the right, and kneel down on one knee is down. But if you shift right or fire button, and you can only press the fire button down in routes three to five, then it unleashes specific commands such as run. And when you press D or move the joystick right when standing, the figure begins to run in this level if you're on the right level, pressing D and shift right and the fire button, and then you move the joystick will simultaneously cause other actions like jump over low object or grip hold of a ladder, and then it's fire and then down to climb up, or grip <laughs> hold of a cable, or get over a wall, and then you release the fire button, but you've got to hold it over when you cl- just, that's the controls that you- you're struggling against. Was there a four-armed person playing this or something? <laughs> what who game tested this? What was it? Some kind of crazy monster? I don't know. Anyway, look. There's an editor to this, like I said. I didn't dive into that. I don't know if I'm missing something, but this was just rubbish. I mean, plain out-and-out rubbish. Mm-hmm. I couldn't make it head to tell what I was meant to do. I managed to sort of shuffle along a little bit of the middle bit on the game. I have no idea what was happening. None. And I don't know if people were shouting at me. I was meant to do something. I was just, I was clueless. And even though I had the instructions, they didn't help in any way. I could get nowhere and I could achieve nothing. I have no idea how this game operates, how the game control system works in coordination because it doesn't seem to actually correspond to anything that they've written. It's one of the most dazzling arrays of stupidity I've seen for a long time. And this is the kind of UI that gives you night terrors. It's so utterly without merit that this game should be erased from time. I don't get the scorings up either. They gave this 78% for presentation. 78%? Are they having a laugh? Are they on drugs? 78% for presentation. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they just did a heroic dose of crack that morning and they were feeling real giddy. And this game got 44% overall. Get lost. 4% at best. 
One of the worst games we've played in ages. It's utterly rubbish, and it's full price as well. Crap. What did you think? Dun, 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 dun. Hey! <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Hey! That tune. <laughs> I first, uh, when I first, just that tune, it, it, I actually sat here and went, hey! I can help myself. <laughs> I felt like doing like, you know, Cossack dancing. Oh, who makes this rubbish and why? Who thought any of this was a good idea and why? What is wrong with them? Somebody did. Some crappy Combat School 19 knockoff. It's worse than both of them with stupid controls and horrible graphics and crap sounds. And one of the most utterly bafflingly awful UI front end screens I've ever come across. Things were opening, Ain't closing. Good. What? Seriously, this button has no use. Oh, the original title for this was also called Combat Course. This was originally called Combat Course. What a terribly Snelp. boring name. Action service yep. is no better, you know. Nothing action about it. But, yeah, because I was like, what is an action service? Is it, is it a service that provides action? I don't you know. You know, you call in the action service. It's like you know, it's not like the A-team, is it? No. I don't know. And, and don't forget as well, I mean, it's also worth just mentioning the covers for this. There's two covers for this. One is just a, a load of confused-looking soldiers, it, uh, and another one. And another one looks like he's fell asleep on a grenade facing the wrong way. I, d- I don't understand this game. I don't understand anything about it. The actual playing of it, trying to control that soldier to just even just move from right to left and climb a wall, it's one of the most bafflingly unintuitive things I've had to do in a long, long time. Terrible, terrible Awful. thing. It was an awful, awful game. Yeah, 44% is... That's like saying it's nearly half good or nearly average. I'm telling you, the reviews, the scores are stupid. That's no, There's no way, no way. You wouldn't have to look at it and you know that this this is inept. So, no. Yeah, it's a confusing mess of crap. So, no, no action service for me. Thank you very much. I'm keeping everything to myself on that one. Awful. What a horrible thing. Let's move along. Hopefully the last game of this half uh, is going to get better. And that game is Bomb Fusion. Bomb Fusion. Ooh. It's our second budget game of the week. This time, as I said, it's Bomb Fusion. This is from Mastertronic for a whole £1.99 of your childhood money. This was developed by PAL Developments, who, by the looks of things, we'll see a bit more of over the coming, uh, coming couple of years. It looks like they've done a few more bits. It's got coding by Al Dukes. Uh, thanks, Big. Um, and the musician was Julian Potts. Now, first off, mm. I have to say, I really like the music in this. Um, from Mr. Potts. There's two tunes, there's an in-game one and there's a title screen. And I thought both were of a very, very high quality indeed. It's always good to hear someone new come along and do good things. I'd never heard of him and listened to a few of his other tunes as well in other games and there's some really nice tunes he's done. So yeah, Mr. Julian, Julian Potts, good stuff. I like that, it's really nice. Anyway, the game itself, there is a story and I'll read from the inlay on this one. A terrorist group has planted bombs throughout the Cellar-scale nuclear processing plant, and you, as ex-superhero, ex mm. after the Boris affair, have to go in okay. and save the plant and possibly the Northern Hemisphere from destruction. The plant's computer control system has malfunctioned, causing even more problems. This computer system controls the movement of used fuel capsules from the ejection port to the packing case for storage and reprocessing. Each capsule has an onboard computer that will lock onto you whenever you are in range, enabling you to manually guide it into the packing case. All this coupled with the fact that you also have the bombs to defuse should tax your superhero powers to the limit. So pull up in your customized C5 with fuel injection and go faster stripes and go for it. <laughs> there you go. Hints. Although you have superpowers, there may be platforms and bombs that you cannot reach. To help you, there are pressure pressure pads, which as soon as you jump on them will propel you higher than a normal jump would do. And up to the next book. So there, this, the instructions end with this with the single sentence 
Look out for safe spots where Borloid cannot reach you. What? <laughs> Borloid is not mentioned at any other point in those instructions. It just appears at the end. It's Sounds like, like a load of Borloids to me. Okay, Borloid. All right, they're not the best for instructions, all right, but for one ninety nine, dollars what do you expect? Right, they are what they are. When the game loads, you have a simple title screen with the title of the game, lots of pulsing text, is all right, with the credits for the various people and companies involved. And as I said, that first great bit of music. Title screen music is great. I'm going to say again, it's great. Anyway, once you've had your fill of that, you press fire, you're into the game proper. At its core, this is a single screen action puzzler, I guess, is how you best describe it. We start off with a little cutscene that sees our little hero traverse a landscape in their C5 and enter a simple doorway on the right of the screen. Um, the screen layout is a little odd in this, in that the UI is shaped like a big U taking up the bottom right and left sides of the screen. Um, it's like a horseshoe almost. The main game window in which you play takes up the rest of the screen inside this U. So on the left of the screen is your radio activity bar. That's a, there's a big bar on the left that goes up slowly. Okay. Uh, there's nothing on the right of the screen, <laughs> which is a little odd. Um, it's, it's almost okay. like this side of the screen does nothing. Um, <laughs> but at the bottom of the screen, because there's loads of stuff at the bottom of the screen, you've got your lives remaining, the countdown for the level, which is also the bonus score you get for completing it. There's your score, complete with an exclamation mark, score! The number of capsules remaining for you to capture. And finally, on both sides, uh, there's a bomb with a countdown on it, or a number that will become a countdown. So for the game screen, and as I said, it's single screen, there'll be a series of platforms dotted about. On one of these will be the door to start and end the level. And there will also be a small pipe somewhere on one of these platforms that the capsules, these sort of nuclear waste capsules will spew from finally there will also be a crate where you mislead the capsules too simple enough other items such as bounce pads they'll also be on certain platforms and other bits and bobs dotted around the screen there'll also be a series of bombs these kind of float in midair and they're just uh, the platforms and everything are kind of single color your sprites are multicolored. it's a bit of a weird mix but it's not too bad you control your little man so you've got this little guy that you control and the controls are nothing more than left right and jump fire for jump dead simple you know dead easy nice and simple yeah the background to the screen is like a really it's a fast moving parallax star field for some strange reason and the whole feel, whole thing feels like it's taking place in space rather than a you know, nuclear reactor but there you go I mean, it's what it is so essentially what you've got to do is traverse the screen run over the capsules that are sort of spewing out and they sort of when they spew out they'll they'll sort of move left and right and drop off the platforms and you kind of we've got to run over to them and so just all you do is move over to them as soon as you move over them they'll start to follow you when they do follow you and they sort of follow you wherever you go you just essentially you've got a need to lead them to the crate which is on one of the platforms and they'll just essentially go into it when you've led enough of them there you can then go back to the exit door um, and the game will have a little cutscene if you drive into the next door and you're on to the next more tricky level. Nice and simple. It's not as easy as all nice that, though, because there are two hazards that make things tricky. First, there are the stationary bombs. Now, sporadically, one of these will start to fizz. Like, you know, the, the fuse to it was like, shh, like it's counting down. The timers in the bottom right and left will start to count down. You simply need to move over them to diffuse them, but they can, they can be in awkward parts of the screen. So getting to them is not always that easy. Um, should you not, they'll explode. And it's, as it says in the instructions, you can take about three of these blasts if your radioactivity meter is flat before you will lose a life. So you've got three, I think it's actually four lives you have, but you can take three blasts, your radioactivity will go up. As soon as it, if the third one goes up, your radioactivity will fill up, your bow on the Left, and you'll lose a life. If you lose all your life, it's game over. Making it more tricky is Borloid. I presume it's Borloid because <laughs> Borloid is a roving large ball that is highly radioactive. Mm. Um, and this just wanders about the screen, get, dropping off, you know, bouncing around. So it's just flatly moving around the platforms, falling onto the next one, going down and moving around. And, and it's just a pain in the ass. If you come into contact with this ball, it raises the radioactivity meter, which means obviously less bombs can go off. 
so that's bad. Um, so you can you can survive less bomb blast. It also has the added effect of making the capsules that you're following you lose contact with you and roll away. So if Borloid comes into contact with you, any any of the capsules you've got following you will then sort of just move off randomly. You've got to go and collect them all back up again, which can be a pain because obviously you're up against a time limit and your radioactivity is going up and things like that. So you've got to then go back, as I said, um, you, and get them back and sort of try and navigate them back to the great crate. Navigation of the screen also includes uh, like a vertical wraparound, so like bubble bobble. So you can drop off the bottom and you'll appear back at the top. Um, and indeed, you'll need to make good use of this to navigate some of the platforms because they're inaccessible unless you do this. They're too high for you to jump onto. The bounce pads won't reach them. So you kind of got to walk off the bottom or sort of walk off a platform, drop off the bottom of the screen, then you'll land on a platform at the top. And you've got to do that sometimes because Borloid and the capsules will be doing the same thing. So you've kind of got this constant movement of movement of Borloid and capsules and you all flying, going up and down and bouncing around platforms and stuff. And so also as well, like, you will need to do that to reach some of the inaccessible bombs that might be mm-hmm. fizzing away and you've got to get them. So you've got, you kind of got to, you know, wrap your head around. I need to go down to appear at the top. It's, as I said, it's like bubble bobble. Um, you can also jump if you, if there are platforms at the top, you can jump to appear at the bottom. So you'll, it wraps around the same way. And again, you need to do that on some screen to reach bombs that are at the bottom of the screen. So you kind of got to, you know, utilize the notion of going up to go down, kind of like asteroids and that sort of thing, but it's up and down, not left and right, just up and down. And at first, this feels a bit chaotic. There's a lot moving on screen. And it's all moving pretty fast. The graphics on the capsules, Borloid and you, are all the same shades of brown. So it's a bit easy to lose yourself at times in amongst everything going so fast. Although the single use of color, color, so single color use for platforms and other items do make these stand out fairly easily. So the crate, I think, is a bright yellow, if I remember rightly. The the door to go out is a bright white. Um, the bounce pads, I think, are purple, and the the, the platforms use a single color as well. So they stand out all right. It's just you because there's you and the ball and everything, and you're all kind of brown. You kind of you can lose yourself in them sometimes. But once you get used to it. Uh, and you know the mix of single. I said the mix of single and mixed colors, single color and mixed color is a bit odd at first, but you do get used to it. The bright blue border for the UI is easy to read once you know what you're looking at. It seems a lot on it, but once you know what you're looking at, and really you just want to be looking at the radioactivity meter, and then obviously the countdowns if the bombs are going off, you kind of know where to look. And that goes for the game as well. Once you get to grips with it, this is a fast game. Navigation is fast. You move around. Levels can be whipped through pretty speedily. I was once I got my head around this, I was. I was playing this for quite a while. It's a solid balance here between between a fairly easy to understand goal and the obstacles in your in your way to thwart you. Um, because essentially, all you got to do is it's kind of like lemmings almost. You're just leading a load of lemmings to a to a crate. Once you've got enough in, that countdown goes down. It goes down to zero. Get to the exit door, and you're out to the next one. Bang! Just repeat. Keep going. The design for this, I thought, was simple but effective. And in many ways, it puts it put me in the mind of task 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 set games and things like Super Pipeline. Mm. Um, in that this feels like an old single-screen arcade game that never was. Mm, yes. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if this is riffing on some old, fairly niche game that I've never heard of. It just it has a feel for it. Maybe it isn't, maybe it's not, I don't know. But it has a feel of something, the single-screen action, the simple premise, the annoying enemies. If I'd seen this in 1984, 1985 in Fantasy World in Cleethorpes, it wouldn't have surprised me. You could see it yeah, amongst all those other things. So yeah, it's got a good, there's a good solid design premise to this. It keeps it simple and easy to get to grips with. Couple that with a solid code base. There's no bugs, great music, effective visuals, snappy controls, fast pace. There's some smart effects in the background and everything. You have a recipe here for a very, very competent budget game. It does one thing and it does it well. It got 32% and they, they said, oh, it just gets really boring. I don't, I, no, it doesn't it, because the pace is fast. No chance. Mm. This would have been 
for me, this is a for the one ninety nine. You know, this is probably low eighties for me, seventies to low eighties. In that this does nothing wrong. It's perfect budget fodder for a quick blast every now and again to see if you can get further into it. There's a lot to like here. At least I found so, and I enjoyed mm. my time with this more than I expected to. Loved the music, found it really snappy, really enjoyable to play. I was playing this phrase once I got my head around it, whipping through them screens. I just enjoyed the sort of frantic, sort of manicness of the whole thing. It's exactly what you want from a 199 budget game at this point right. in the C64's life. I really enjoyed this and thought 32% was a... Considering that bloody combat action service got 44, this is a joke. So, no, yeah, Bomb Fusion, really good. I really enjoyed it. What about you? Yeah, I mean, um, I think it's... It's one of those games. It's real. It's like an endorphin shot, isn't it? Really, this game. Mm. It's it, what it sets out to do. It does excellently well. It's maybe not the most graphically appealing game. Fine, but it's two pounds, isn't it? Yes. But I thought this exactly the same as you. I thought this was an arcade. This this is an arcade game, and it had arcade game sentiments. It had an arcade game tone, and it gave you the arcade game endorphin shot, didn't it? Mm. Simple single screen type logic games with you know grab jump run avoid type mentalities and those kind of games left right jump yeah snap you know the snaps of endorphins that you get for two pound of this are palpable and that's how these old arcade games used to work you know do a simple premise do it well increase the complexity on the screen by adding more stuff or making more platforms in difficult places those kind of games work. there's a reason why donkey kong and games like that are still played and still revered as really great game designs because they are doing something simple and effectively, you don't need amazing graphics and all the fancy pants stuff. Sometimes you just need to be able to grab a series of bombs that all linked together, jump downward so you can fly in back from the top of the screen, land on your crate, and just get rid of the bombs and do and you, and you fly about and, t- and tackle things as they sizzle and crackle and just have a bit of on-screen panic. Mm. Never anybody to play a game like that. I thought there's loads of fun to be had here. It's one of those annoying games, but annoying in a good way. Yeah, it keeps you coming back, and that's that's the telltale sign when you find yourself right this time, and you say those words out loud, which is what I did. You know you're onto something. Mm-hmm. I thought this was really good, and like you, come on, you gave Action Service forty four percent. Get lost. This game was way better than that. I'd have given this like one of those sort of sizzlery type. You know, yeah. this is this, this is silver gold for me. I really enjoyed it. I mean, what's not to like about a good old fashioned arcade game? Meant you know, all playing all the right tropes, the sprites, no problems with the game logic. Because the game logic's everything you need to read in this game is on that screen. Everything's right there. You don't doesn't take time to figure out. It's got a story, of course, but it doesn't need lots of complex stuff. There's just the you know, and it's a well a sprite based game on the C64. This is the kind of thing the C64 was designed for. Yeah, exactly. So I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, the music was really good as well. There's obviously some talent behind it. All those things that are there to turn around after that and go. It gets a bit boring. It's like what. Really, Driller is a boring game. Mm. This is not boring. The one thing you could say about Bomb Fusion, you might say its graphics aren't very good, Adrian. You might say that it maybe isn't quite, you know, it maybe isn't up to scratch of some of these other things we see. You might say all of that, but one thing you could never say about Bomb Fusion is that it's boring. I'm sorry, but it's just not possible. It's exciting and it's fun. So, yeah. They're frustrating me, these Zap reviewers now. They're getting annoying. I think the, the whole way that they do dual review Amiga and C64 games is crap. The reviews themselves don't make any sense. They're, they're misquoting and misfiring all over the place. And as we'll see a bit later on, some of their sister magazines are blatantly being m- not just influenced, but allowing some of the reviews to be written by the games companies themselves. It's there's, there's some shocking stuff going on at the moment. And these scores are not indicative of the game's quality. This game was robbed of a shiny silver gold for me. And it's way better than a lot of the other games that we've played. It's certainly better than Turbo Esprit. It's certainly, certainly better than Action Service. So... Come on, 
What are you doing, Zap? This is, this is, I thought it was great. If you'd have gone to your news agents and bought this for two quid and took it home, you'd be well happy. You'd be like, this is cracking. You yeah. You'd be putting you'd be this well on, with loading it. it up, you go off, you come back in and go, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get further into this now. don't know how far it goes in. It's, I was playing for quite a while and got quite far, so just fun. It just seems, what they're doing, I mean, why would you, why would you, why, why are they doing the things they're doing? I don't, I, it doesn't compute in my head. No. Something doesn't add up. No, it does not. There we go. I'm trying to be kind, but what are they doing? Yeah, there we go. Bomb Fusion, best of this half, even with Siltworm. So that's it. That's it for this half. We've got four games. We have four more games coming later on. But right now, we are going to take a break, recharge our batteries, and then we're going to come back with singles and albums from May 1989. So please do stay with us. <laughs> And we are back. Let's get into some music. Let's start off with the number one singles uh, for the month of May. For one week, we had Hand on Your Heart by Kylie Minogue. We did, yes. Put your hand on your heart and tell me. Yeah, that Have one. We mentioned this last month. I can't remember. They're all blending into one, aren't they? More they stock really Aiken Watman garbage. No. Yeah, it's, it's not a great Kylie. I don't, because the thing is, I'm not a big fan of this Kylie. She didn't get good until like she went a bit more sort of classy pop with um, later on for me. Yeah, she was. Maybe. She went a bit more UK garage a bit later with "I'm spinning around, move out of my way" and all that. This yeah. stuck Aiken and Walkman stuff. It's all post for the post neighbors. You no know, brigade. Not no thanks. Not it's all right. I suppose it's a yeah, massive exactly. album, wasn't it? Huge selling album. Kylie saying whatever, but not my t- not my cuppa. Yeah. For the rest of the month, uh, we had Ferry Cross to Mersey, uh, Jerry Marsden, Paul McCartney, Holly Johnson, the Christians. This was the charity single uh, for those affected by the Hillsborough disaster, which we discussed week, I think, um, which obviously claimed the lives of 97 Liverpool fans. Um, and that was the uh, number one for the rest of the rest of the month. So worthy charity single. We'll just leave it at that. And the albums for one week, we had Street Fighting Years by Simple Minds. Yeah. The, I didn't. Is this really the eighth studio album? Yep. Been going that Certainly long. Is. Yep. Produced Good by Lord. Trevor Horn, though. This one. So you Does know it? what that means. Epic. <laughs> Would explain be epic. that Belfast child, whatever yes, it's called. Exactly. I didn't realise that it was Trevor Horn. And then when I listened to the bit of the album, like, ah, there it is. Because at this moment in time, he's producing everything. Yeah. He's <laughs> your go to person, isn't he? Yes. He is, yeah. a bit. Um, for the next two weeks, we had 10 Good Reasons Not to Listen to This by Jason Donovan. Yeah. Nobody can give you 10 good reasons for buying it, that's for sure. <laughs> no, but to not listen to it, it's just track one, track two, track three. It's listed in the 10 good reasons to thump somebody, though, I suspect. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Finally, for the last week of the month, it was The Miracle by Queen. Uh, big album by them. Penultimate one, wasn't it? It's the one before Innuendo, I believe. Uh, I think so, yeah. This is their 13th studio album. 13th. Good Lord. It's a lot yeah. of albums. The, the album was called as the band, the band recovered from Brian May's marital problems and Freddie Mercury's HIV right. diagnosis as well in 1987, which hadn't been publicised at the time. Well, yeah. Mm. Um, I'm not sure. It's, is it one of the better albums? recording the album for a whole year. Well, it's got a few good tracks in it, hasn't it? So it's got... Um, what's on it? <laughs> I mean, the, the Queen album must is the best of Queen, so I couldn't tell you. Should we get into the singles and then we'd be able to say what was on it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Let's get into yeah, the singles. Yeah, yeah, so do that. Seventh, seventh of May, in at number three, I want it all by Queen. <laughs> oh, there you go. There, there you go. go. I want it all. Do do very good. Yeah, I want it now. It is a good. It is yeah. a good Queen track that one. Yeah, but then they were always were a good singles band. That's my thing with Queen. I listen to an album, I'm like, eh. yeah, everyone. The singles yeah, are great. Everyone says it. Yeah, exactly. That's why the best of Queen's the best selling album. Yeah, exactly. In at number thirty six is Love Attack by Shaking Stevens. Oh, this this stupid thing. <laughs> In the video for this, he's sweaty. He's so sweaty. He looks poorly. 
<laughs> he does look like Super <laughs> He's got the flu. He's, oh, he's just carried he does. on. He looks like he's really poorly. Uh, each time it goes to him, he's on some kind of stage, and each time it goes to him, he's sweaty. And the last time, there's a part where his top lips so so sweaty. I was like, somebody just will stop this video. I'm going, are you okay? You look you look like you're going to drop drop down in any second. It's like Robert. What's his face trying to land the plane in airplane? Yeah, he is. He's he's clearly got the flu because he is properly yeah. sweaty in that massively. I thought Crap the song, song sounded like a status quo song. Yeah, it's not a great. I mean, even by Shaking Stevens standards, it's not very good. Yeah. No, he's at, he's at, he's sweating, he's out of control. Sweaty Stevens in that one. <laughs> Sweaty Stevens, his lesser well-known <laughs> brother. Um, in at number forty-five, can I get a witness by Sam Brown? Yeah, it's a bit gospel, isn't it? Yeah, it's not. It's not my cup of tea. I mean, it's you know, people like Sam Brown. She's she's a pretty girl and a good voice, I suppose. If you like that kind of thing, not my kind, not my thing though. There was a there was an element of this where I was listening to this, and and someone can go, "No way, you, you are you are you are insane," but. I was listening to it and I was going like a few years down the line, 20, 20 odd years though, we're going to get someone, you got Amy Winehouse doing sort of similar sort of thing. I think on crack. Yeah. Lower your dose. But no, maybe, I don't know. So, you know, that kind of sort of old, oldie style. There's something about it that just made me think, as soon as I listened to it, I was like, it just puts me in my mind for some reason. Yeah, maybe, maybe there's a bit of that. Who knows? You know, I don't know much about Sam Brown actually. It's kind of, maybe she was the 90s, 80s, late 80s version of Adele or something. I don't know. But anyway. Number 48 is nothing that compares to you. (laughs) This made me laugh that title. By the Jacksons. Come on. (laughs) but, But nothing compares to you. There's a song by Prince. Their version is nothing in brackets that compares to it. It's like, why do you know why you've put, you know why you've done it? You know why you've done it. You have you have the golden axe. We have the golden axe. Exactly. Axes. Just and it sounds exactly as you imagine it would sound. If you someone said to you, you know, hum a Jacksons-esque sounding song from the late 80s, and you hummed something if you just in your head you'll be humming it right now. Imagine yeah. it. Or just imagine a Paul or Abdul song. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah, this song has no seeds. That's all I think. It doesn't. Um, Number 59 is Eyes of a Stranger by Queensryche. (laughs) Queensryche, honestly. Queensryche. (laughs) (laughs) The opening shot is indeed from The Haunting Three. (laughs) Yeah, the first shot in this video is him waking up in bed and going, and that's, we made like a short film when we were back in the student days and that, at the first shot of that was a guy waking up and going, oh, it's the same shot exactly. It's uncanny, really. Yeah. Um, thankfully, your hair isn't as high as his because his hair is high. That's high <laughs> hair. This is the episode of high hair, and that man's got high hair. High hair. The so, drummer's yeah, kit is so, so big it needs a panning shot. The, why is everything so big? Why is, the, why is the singer's hair at least seven inches from his forehead in height? It's massive. <laughs> It makes his mouth look small because his head's so big at the top. It's a mullet. It's a massive, massive mullet. It's like it's huge. It's the biggest mullet we've seen for for some time. Um, and like you say, is the drum kit is is ridiculous. <laughs> it needs a panning shot, <laughs> and it's like ten yard ten yards back. It's like how big's this drum kit? Like there's no way you can reach the drums on the side. No way. They're too far away. Unless he's got really long drumsticks. Elongated drumstick to. to the way forward. <laughs> He probably has to be the size of rowing boat oars, I think, with that bloody drum kit. <laughs> it was massive. What a very good song, though, was it? No, it's rubbish. Of course it's rubbish. It's sung by a guy whose hair is ridiculous. <laughs> of course it's rubbish. Uh, uh, next up is more craziness with, uh, in at number 72, is Still Too Young to Remember by It Bites. <laughs> is, is there some what kind of temperature on? issue in these recordings? Because this is you know, this is a guy, he's sweating like crazy as well. It's like, is he ill? <laughs> He's so so sweaty. It's yeah, ridiculous. I mean, 
He actually bathes himself in his own sweat at the beginning. He flicks his hair and there's so he much does. sweat. He has a shower. It's like he has a shower. <laughs> um, then in the song, he's wearing a leather jacket and around his neck, he's got a massive key. <laughs> yeah, made me laugh loads of that. Why has he got that? Why? Why? Where's that? <laughs> Where's a massive key? No one wears a key like that. Nobody. It's huge. <laughs> I mean, if he runs, if he runs forward, that's going to leave indentations in his chest. If he, that's, that's yeah, that's going to do damage. I mean, that is, that's, maybe that's the, the, the cell. That's the key to a kind of ancient cell, like a like a jail or something. I don't know. That's something key. you'd find Ridiculous. in a video game, like that unlocks something, <laughs> yeah, or something in is. a horror film that unlocks unlocks a crypt that shouldn't be opened. Well, maybe that's exactly why he's sweating so much. Maybe he's opened the secret crypt. It's a sweaty, mm, sweaty maybe. video that. Sweaty, very sweaty. Um, in at number ninety-one is "Cult of Personality" by Living Color. Ah, yeah, mm. funk metal. Funk metal has, yeah, I remember this. Um, good, it's a good song. This, I like the song. It's, I remember it being huge on Power Hour and things like that. Metal, what were they called? Metal, what was it called? Those raw power, metal, raw power, Power Hour, all those kind of things in the yeah, three yeah. o'clock in the morning on during the yeah, uh, yeah. All it, night was, music. it was originally Power Hour, then it changed to Raw Power halfway through for some reason on, on Music Box, yeah, did, music yeah. Box Productions. This, I remember this song being on it quite a lot. Um, when this came out, so it was quite big on that on that um, that show. It's a good yeah, song. Though. Was, I do like they song. played a lot of this kind of stuff. They played a lot of this kind of stuff because it was kind of heading. There's a few bands heading down that way. If you think this isn't just that dissimilar to something like Extreme, sound a little bit like this with the Get the Funk Out and stuff like that. So yeah, and also, I mean, you might as well mention it sort of thing. It's also um, whether you know because you know black heavy metal bands just weren't very much of a thing especially in the mainstream and so it's that no, was quite interesting to no, see no. as well very much so yeah um yep. yeah so interesting band interesting song i liked it 14th of may and at number one was the ferry across the mersey um we spoke about that already nice. and at number 20 we won't speak much about this was number two every little step by bobby brown i don't no. much about that no. number 22 is my brave face by paul mccartney <sighs> What is this? What can you say about it? Well, it's what it is, is a load of head wobble. <laughs> that guy wobbles his head all the time. <laughs> that is true. I did think that this was him trying to come to terms with uh, when he first saw Give My Regards to Broad Street, the video game, and he put on uh, my, he put my brave face on. Um, I must have done that. I thought this was just someone trying to stay relevant and failing miserably. Yeah, completely that. He's got that weird way of playing. I don't like the way he wobbles his head around. It's like it's loose. It's like <laughs> tighten, his, tighten your head up. It's loose. It's going to come off. with his head wobble. <laughs> Well, it's because he does it. I mean, I know he does it in the Beatles. You know, that's the famous Beatles head wobble, isn't it? Yeah. But in yeah. this, it's kind of it's extreme head wobbling. It's like that. It's, it's over the years that's come loose. You need to tighten that thing up because it's going to come off. Bizarre. Nobody wants Paul McCartney's head rolling off and you know rolling across the recording studio. It'd be a nightmare. It would be. It'd still be singing. Pick me head up, it hurts. Pick me head up, it hurts. That's what he'd be saying. <laughs> it's gone off Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he's part of the Beatles, isn't it? At least it's in the right band. Uh, I suppose so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Number twenty-five, Fergus sings the blues by Deacon Blue. I know you really like Deacon Blue. No, there's there's more high hair in this performance. Did you notice? There is. Yeah, well, you he's got really, really not high hair on top of the pops clip because <laughs> he's sort of blocking out the rest of the band. I know, and that's why the guy uh, who was sort of the technician went. Do you know what? We're going to have to either raise these studio lights or turn the bulbs down, dim them because they're going to set fire to his head. Can't have that. <laughs> No, he'll be very blue. And at number 41 is Funky Cold Medina, uh, or Slash on Fire, probably double A side, by Tone Lock. Yeah, very famous rap track, that Funky Cold Medina. Everyone yeah. remembers it. Um, yeah. That was his other, was that his other big track? Yeah. This, wild, yeah. Wild, this and Wild Thing. Oh, yep, exactly. It's principally almost the same kind of backtrack to them both. So it's just, you know, he, yeah, he got on a thing so, and he yeah, was yeah. doing more of that thing. Well, you know, you know, the first thing made money, do more of that thing. Makes you know, perfect sense to me. <laughs> 
do more of that thing. Not that thing, that thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, do more of as that the thing. next as the next band do. Number forty seven, Pink Sunshine from Fuzzbox. This is a crap song, isn't it? Right. It's not great. And then in the video, the, they look. They honestly, it, watch the video. Go on, we'll put all these links in the show notes. Watch this video, Fuzzbox, Pink Sunshine. You tell me that they don't all look massively pissed off. All of them do. Their expressions tell you everything. They're on the stage. They're dancing around in sort of stupid costumes. And I think at this point, they've realised that the record company own them and own this look and they're, they're going to be trapped in that look forever. I think Fuzzbox are probably quite an accomplished sort of indie punk band that got somehow shoehorned into this kind of look and there was no way out by this point. And so they released this, but they all look thoroughly cheesed off and angry to be in that video. It's quite interesting in that respect. I'm pretty sure they are because they look totally disinterested in what they're doing. It's like they don't give a shit. Yep. And it's an awful song. Quite possible. And at number 50 is Close My Eyes Forever by Lita Ford. <laughs> the other singer that featured a lot in Power Hour. Like Lita Ford. <laughs> yeah, she was always why. on bloody Power Hour. Hmm. I can't think. Hmm. Uh, but this is Lita Ford and Ozzy Osbourne. It is. It is. Crossing their streams. In the video, it's like this it starts with it starts with Lita Ford singing and she's on the left hand side of the screen, big backlit white hair. Yep. And then it's sort of, she sings this emotional, you know, whatever. And then it goes to Ozzy's section and he's on the right hand side of the screen, giant white backlit back hair. Ugly in a way that Aussie is. He's Aussie, right? So it's not the same as Lita Ford, is it? And so no. it's like for me, it's like the, it's like Lita Ford looking into a mirror, and she's been what she sees in reflected is the Aldi version of Lita Ford, Beta Ford, one might say. <laughs> and the song's terrible as well, by the way. Yeah, it really is. It's terrible. Again, I was like about halfway through. I was like, get on with it. <laughs> so, no, no, it's this song's going nowhere. What's happened? Oh, it's boring. It's dew drop. Oh. Twee gush metal of the worst possible kind. Ozzy yeah. Osbourne, I don't get why he was even involved. It's just so he looked, you know, he makes Lita Ford look a lot more attractive, I think. And, you know, she's not an unattractive lady, but we put next to Ozzy Osbourne and she's, everyone's like, good God, she's a goddess. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Yeah, don't look in the mirror because when you look in there, ah, well, that's what <laughs> Lita Ford looks like if she's been hit by a car. <laughs> and came terrible. from Birmingham. Um, uh, but one as bad as this in at number 59 is Don't You Want Me Baby by Mandy Smith no no (laughs) I can tell you didn't like this no no because it's bad and it's not just bad it's really really bad I don't it's a cover of the Human League's Don't You Want Me why did the Human League allow that why because they must have they must have given the unless they're that the rights to that song were owned by the record company and they had no say in it but it's terrible it's a terrible pumped up octane-ish attempt of a, a popped up version of Don't You Want Me by the Human League. Don't You Want Me by the Human League is one of their classic songs. It is their classic song. So why on earth would this even be put out? It's just terrible. I don't know. Terrible. I didn't listen to this one. Number 73 by Stevie Wonder or Free Stevie Wonder. I thought that, it was well, some what, kind of command. It was a statement. Yeah, it's a statement. <laughs> and they're letting go or you get one. You know, whatever you buy at number 70, is you get a free Stevie Wonder with it. <laughs> Here he is. Didn't know he was locked up. <laughs> Just watch out. He's a bit superstitious. Hey. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 oh, and number 83 is Just Like Heaven by Dinosaur Jr. Now, I need to ask you about this, right? Because on. Um, on the back of last, the last, possibly the last episode, I decided I would listen to the Pixies' full album. And I know it's, this isn't the Pixies, this is Dinosaur Jr., but go with it. So I listened to the Pixies album under your recommendation. I have to say I didn't like it, not my cup of tea, but but what I did realise is that what happened to us, I'd listened to the album and then Apple Music went onto the algorithm. Mm-hmm. So it started picking out, because I'd listened to that album, it started to pick out tracks that it thought, you know, you like, 
and you've listened to the Pixies album, therefore you'll like all of this kind of stuff. And I got a cascade of all these different bands from the 90s. It reminded me of being at your house, of being at Gulliver's. It was like going on a right trip. Loads of Dinosaur Junior popped up. Yeah. Loads of Sonic Youth. Weirdly, loads of David Bowie. Um, loads of different bands of all these different camps. But what I came to realize, there was Nirvana was thrown in there. There was Song 2 by Blur. There was loads of stuff. And what I came to realize was that, because you said the Pixies were a very influential band, are the Pixies an influence on Dinosaur Jr.? Because I noticed there's similarities between all these, all of them start to show real signs of sounding a bit like the Pixies, even although the Pixies start to sound then, because then obviously Joy Division came on and Joy Division had a weird, yeah. anyway, the reason I'm asking all these questions, because all these bands came on and I was trying to, I could hear then that although I didn't like the Pixies, I could actually hear how influential they were in a lot of these different bands. And I wondered if Dinosaur Jr. was one of them. Well, um, quite possibly. I mean, they were around at the same time. Jay Maskis was the sort of lead guy for Dinosaur Jr. I'm not a huge Dinosaur Jr. fan. I basically know this. I didn't even know they'd done this cover of it. So this is a cover of the Cure track, um, just like Heaven. Um, so I didn't even know they'd actually done a cover of it. It's not a very good cover of it, I have to say. You realise yeah. when you listen to this that although the music sounds all right, you realise how much the Cure are Robert Smith's voice. Um, very much so. And, and so when you take that away from it, you like this is not the same. It's just not right. It's just not. Mm. It's just not the same. So yeah, prob- I mean, probably the way there was probably in that period. There's, a, I think, there's bands like Husker Du. There's REM. There's all bands like that sort of coming up through. Sort yeah. of. The, I mean, I, 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 I'm. It's not my massive area of sort of expertise, so I don't want to speak on it too much. But they probably were influenced by the Pixies. I don't know, mm. but I think you know, there's a lot of interest in these kind of sounding bands around at this point in time. But they're sort of. It's the. What's the word? It's the reaction against hair metal. Yeah, coming I through. totally get that. I just, you know, I just didn't realize having listened to the Pixies, you know, and listened to the full album, you start to, you know, when, when it's only when something's played completely next to it afterwards. You know, so I got things like um, what they called the White Stripes, and I was like, look, they must, they must have taken some influence from the Pixies because there's a similarity yeah, yeah, in the way they kind yeah. of operate. And then there just seemed to be Sonic Youth, and there was loads of bands, one after another, after another, and after all, seemed to be like, wow, they, they, you know, either they've influenced these bands or those bands have influenced them, but. No, the, I think the Pixies are sort of considered as like the grand, the crazy sort of early grandmasters of it. I didn't think it was very good. The Pixies, I have to say, it sounded awful. But can't deny, you know, their influence on things. No denying yeah, exactly. that. Number eighty-four. After all, it's the love theme from "Chances Are" by Cher and Peter Cetera. Yeah, Peter Cetera's back. Wow. wow, sounds exactly like you imagine it would. <laughs> it really does. It really does sound exactly like you expect this to be. Peter Cetera singing it. Um, and yes, in answer to your question, that is indeed Shooter McGavin. Thought it was. It is. Thought I, as soon as I saw the video, I'm like, that's Shooter McGavin. I bet he eats his hay and does what he say and all the rest of it. And <laughs> Absolutely. He eats shit for breakfast. <laughs> We're probably going to get this film in our film thing. I'm not going to watch it because the plot for this is, because it's got Robert Downey Jr. in the video as well, which is weird. Dude. But this is a, re- a reincarnated man unknowingly falls in love with his own daughter from his previous life. Weird. Once he realizes this, he tries to end the relationship before angels erase his memory. What? I don't know. Oh, but I dear. thought that this sounds very similar to Heaven Can Wait. Yeah. With and that, uh, that, that, that classic Warren Beatty film. Um, yeah. I'd, that sounds like a convoluted load of garbage. <laughs> I won't be watching it. I won't be either. I'm sure it'll <laughs> come out at some point. In the, but um, uh, there we go. 21st of May, number 19, I Don't Want to Get Hurt by Donna Summer. Yeah, well, don't keep releasing rubbish records and you won't. <laughs> I don't know who those three idiots are at the start of the video. I don't Oof. know. I don't want to know. No, just dancing around being funny and, hey, look, we're dancing around being funny and then 
you know, what just rubbish. And it's stock Aiken and Walkman garbage, more of their garbage, more yeah. of the conveyor belt nonsense. Awful. Donna, come on, do something better. Yeah. Number 27, The Real Me by Wasp. Like I said, the the decent, decent guitar in, but his song, his vocals, just awful. He sounds like he's taking the piss when he's singing. He sounds like somebody doing a bad impression of a rock singer. Yeah. I remember someone um, when it was out was at sixth form was was really into these and they would play them to me and I, the, the beginnings of the tracks just started, oh this is all right and then he starts singing I go nope don't no he's terrible he's terrible can't do his voice and I like Rush you know so I'm I'm quite accustomed <laughs> to sort of getting used to someone's vocal style because getting mm-hmm. these vocals are, are uh, you know they're something to get used to but these they're are a awful. challenge number thirty five is Psychonaut by Fields of the Nephilim. It's, it's more goth than goth, uh, this. It's, that was like, that's like, it is the gothiest goth track ever, isn't it? That, and goodness <laughs> it really me. is a really strange video. It's not one of our favourite tracks. This. It's okay, but there's, there's better Nephilim stuff. It's, it's all right. He, sing, it's, he sings sub-audible lyrics. It's like, what is he actually, <laughs> what, what did you say? <laughs> oh, that's all right. Okay, yeah, yeah of course. Pass, yeah. <laughs> pass me the bread. Yeah, it's, it's just it's at a dinner table, yeah. So, what, sorry? <laughs> <laughs> you cracked me china <laughs> why are you in my house get out don't live here <laughs> yeah. who are stop, you stop stealing all the flour <laughs> to throw at yourself fields of the you <laughs> <laughs> nephilim never heard of him nephilim does he live down the road <laughs> <laughs> i don't know number 38 just keep rocking by double trouble and the rebel mc <sighs> you see you even said it in the right way then double trouble and the rebel mc rough like a ninja stinging like a bee here he is I know back I did. by public demand he's got a wobbly woo yeah, <laughs> I was like, it ain't it's good, worse. is it? <laughs> it's even worse. Yeah, it's not a sample. They've actually record. They've recorded their own version of that. It's even worse. How bad is that? And it's slow as well. Oh. He goes, "Woo!" Yeah, it's like he's not enthusiastic about it. It's, if you're going to have the James Brown one, it's not like in that. Woo! Yeah, it's like ah! yeah. Ah! So yeah, like a you know somebody stepping <laughs> on the on the back of a chicken. Ah! So, it's awful. Uh, number yeah, forty but... is "One Better World" by ABC. <laughs> bland bore yeah stabby <laughs> shit brass it's so stabby rubbish rubbish Another, number 48 long hot summer 89 by the style council just yes. don't, don't re-release really release eighty three song don't do no, it don't don't it was it wasn't particularly sophisticated in 83 it's now just a dull as dishwater song and dull and boring go yeah. away style council yeah uh and at number 56 is waltz darling by malcolm mclaren and the bootzilla orchestra <laughs> Of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah. Bit more yeah, interesting though, this. Bit more interesting. I think this is a really good track, actually. And it's and it's good because of a number of different things. Firstly, I remember listening to this with Brown Sauce, and he really liked this track, and in fact is a big advocate of it. And also the other track off the one of the other tracks off the album of the same name, because this, this is off an album called Walt Stalin. The other track is Something's Jumping in My Shirt, which is another one that Gary really likes. I know he does. I think this is a, it's actually a really interesting album, and this is a very interesting track because it is very early kind of sampled, you know, DJ track, sort of track mixing, scratch mixing, very, very peculiar sounding track. It's a blend of all sorts of different styles. I really like it. It's got a really unusual melancholy to it, which I find quite endearing. It's, it's, it's a good track. It's a really good track. It certainly sticks out like a sore thumb in this list. Yeah, so, it's not too bad. I, I didn't good. actually mind it, although I just found him going darling got on my tits a bit. I was a little bit like, oh, shut up. he goes, darling. Sampler, you see. Just keeps popping up in the video, going, "Darling." It's because they've darling. got a um, they've got a sampler, but they're not frightened of you know pressing the old repeat button. Other so, so, it's like, yeah, don't do that. Pressing the darling, yeah. But when he's in the studio, he's going to be quite a you know a present figure, isn't he? Because he he was one of the people that you know produced this as well. 
So you can imagine yeah. how intolerable Michael McCann would be in the studio context. Goodness me. Yeah. And number 68 is Walking on Sunshine by Eddie Grant. Yeah, it's probably good, that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about it. It sounded all right. Not, my, not really my cup of tea, but, you know, it's all right. It's, it's just, all right. You know. Yeah. What is good, though, is at number 92, is Little Red Corvette, 1999 by Prince. Uh, so it must be a re-release, is it? Must be. Uh, must be, I guess. It's not Purple Rain. Or is it, yeah, is it Purple Rain? I don't know. It's, it's certainly the video is certainly the look of Purple Rain. He's got the yeah. high hair and the sound of, you know. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, it's a good, it is a good track, Little Red Corvette. So. It is. It's one of the few tracks by Prince that of his thousands that I actually like. So yeah, good, uh, good chorus. Thousands, yeah. Uh, millions, 28th yeah. of May, in at number twenty. Uh, number 10 is Express Yourself by Madonna. This is going to go to number one, isn't it? To the test, probably. Yeah, huge, huge track. I mean, yeah, massive. This was, yeah. The, this was sort of the beginning of the Vogue period, wasn't it? The look and that kind of. Yeah, very early, much so. Yeah. I mean, what an amazing thing to follow up Like a Prayer with, though. I mean, t- as if that didn't make you enough money, then you release this one. It's like, wow, okay. He really was the big yeah. bankable you know, musical asset at this time. And, you know, and the video for this is quite good as well. I think it might even be a David Finch video, but I'm not 100% sure. You'd have to check that. Mm. Uh, I know that Vogue was. Number 14 is um, and Material Girl. Number 14 is Sweet Child of Mine. 1989 by Guns N' Roses. I don't know mm. if it's a re-release. It could quite possibly. They were in that Deadpool film, so maybe they just threw something out. Yeah, do, do, yeah. do, do. Bip, bip. Yeah, could be. <laughs> and number 19 is right back where we started from. Uh, oh, this. By Sunita. This. Do you know, yeah, right, this. I'm going to, I think, right, with this. <laughs> Go on. Firstly, this is trash pop of the highest order, and it's kind of picking up where Sam Fox left off, really. She is being exploited massively. I mean, she's a very attractive, you know, stunning-looking woman. Sunita still is, and and she's talented. You know, there's a, there's a good singer in there. There's a good, probably a good, you know, dancer. There's a good performer in there, and I get all of that. But what came across to me in this video was her. She's a lot. I mean, it might be just the ratio that it's shot, but she looks alarmingly thinner and seems to be getting thinner in this video. She was than she was in the previous one, and this was kind of the vogue for women in pop at this time. They all started to get thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner. And I'm not saying that that's you know I'm, I'm not taking a position on anything other than to say that nowadays that tends to not be the case people can look how they want to look but here there was kind of a conforming of t- to fit the pop starlet archetype um, and again heavily produced overproduced actually i just think it's just sad representation really she's not she's not representing you know, all power to women performers and you know women doing well in music industry here She's being carefully manipulated and controlled to become just as kind of a you know a, a part of the brand, and I, and I don't think it's a very good image for women to have, and it's certainly one that there's a backlash against much later anyway. Not to say that she's not a very talented person, but she's just feels like you're just watching an advert for someone's from for some marketing thing. It's not not very comfortable to watch actually in, in with a modern lens. I don't think. No, I didn't watch it. Do you long. Think, did you think that? Well, I didn't watch it for very long. I just thought it was a rubbish song. Um, yeah, it is right back where we started from, doobie yeah. doo, and all that. Yeah. Uh, and number 25 is It Is Time To Get Funky, featuring LRS by D-Mob. Gary was obsessed with saying that. It used to sit there when I was coding in, in the, you know, back in the dark days of being involved, the old Flaky Bit studio. I'd be sat there coding 60, C64. He'd come around and he'd bring his tapes and he'd just be sat there going, it is time to get, it is time to get funky. It is time to get, it. he just used to say that bit over and over. I'm like, God, I remember it. I've even used to have like an audio recording of him doing it somewhere where he just sat there doing it for what seemed like an hour. Crazy. Um, was that a police squad homage at the start of the video? Could easily be the yeah, police squad. Yeah, yeah actually, yeah. Sort of it does kind of look like the sort of homage, doesn't it? Yeah, I thought it was. Number 30 is Forever Your Girl by Paula Abdul. Now, this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I think that somebody sort of sketched this out on a bit of paper with the concept and went, you know what? Do you know what would be a good idea? Let's get loads of children dressed like the they do in the which video is it? The famous video with all the with the adult women are dressed in very sort of scantily outfits. Oh, the Robert Palmer one, addicted to love. Yeah, let's get some four-year-olds dressed in the same way in the background. That'd be funny. And it's like, then you look at it and you go, "What the hell were you thinking?" <laughs> yeah, because it goes on good. from there, and it's not good. It's no, it's not. It's not good. You know, it's 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 really really. You know, you thought Mini Pops was bad on Channel Four. It's nothing on that video. I think I bet that video has been buried buried alive. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit. I was like, Ooh, no one okay. talks so bad. It's like, what you on earth were you thinking of when you made that? Goodness me, don't know. Number thirty-five is "Song for Whoever" by Beautiful South. Do you love this song from the bottom of your pencil case, Adrian? Not from the bottom of my pencil case. No, I don't love it. I think it's all right. It's the like you probably the one track of those I don't really mind. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, it's all right. Deborah, yeah. Alison, yeah, she starts doing it. I love you from the bottom of my pencil case. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's all right. And the only other one I remember is that one where they're arguing. So um, need oh, a little yeah, time yeah. to think it over. That one. But yeah. the only two I remember by them particularly. Yeah. Uh, in at number 39, though, is Love Made Me by Vixen. Oh, this stupid thing. <laughs> I mean, it's I know you, you're a big advocate of them. You love Vixen. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I did. I thought this was a bit heavier than the last couple, though, and showing that these girls can truly rock. <laughs> yeah, if that's what you call it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, these, these are all, you know, these are all heavy rotation on Power Hour, this one again, another one. Yeah, massive backlit big hair. Loads of feet on you know, feet on monitors, walking you know walking around with the uh, the monitor, the mic stand, filming it, filming it pre pre uh, sort of concert footage. It's, you know, it's Bon Jovi, whatever. It's just that in it. It's just uh, is what it is. No, it's just it's all the rock video cliches rolled into one stupid production. Yes, it is that, and it's a very cliched song as well. It feels like every other rock song of this type you'll ever hear ever in your life. It certainly it does, yeah. It sounds it like really an advert is. for a soft drink or a brand of sanitary towel. <laughs> it could very well be either of those. Not, let's not get them mixed up. In at number 42 is Joy and Pain by Donna Allen. You're off a cup of tea, right? Right up your street, this, isn't it? <laughs> I, I listened to it and I really wanted a Galaxy Caramel. <laughs> it is smooth. It's so it is, smooth. The opening so sleazy, sax smooth. It's like... <laughs> oh yeah i brought in like a really you know really rough bit of wood log from outside and when it came out it was perfectly smooth it was so smooth i could rub it against my skin like oh it's lovely (laughs) number 44 i'm on automatic (laughs) this is not smooth uh i'm on automatic by sharp and newman i don't know what quite popular when they did a did this sort of stuff together who are who's who's sharp i don't know just some guy bob Bob Sharp. I knew you were going to say bloody Bob Pat. Sharp. I was actually going to say Pat Sharp. Could be. Could be that. Yeah, it could be very. So um slightly <laughs> slightly sharp, yeah. Anyway, um this is uh, weird and it's got a really annoying snare sample because it's the the exact same snare sample hit all the way through. So it, once you now I've said that to you when you listen to it, you'll hear it. And it's I like heard oh, it. It's, you mentioned it's, it. It's, I heard it. Your head in. You do. Yeah. Once you hear it, you can't uh, hear it. Yeah. And at number 56 is Orange Crush by REM. I uh, know it's not one of your favorite tracks. I, I like this. I mean, it's is no, right. is what well, it is. It's a pretty classic classic track for them before they you know before they went stratospheric. Um, a proper he was always favorite. dancing to this bloody song in Gulliver's. Yeah, he was like, if there was a song that was going to get you on the dance floor, it'd be REM. Big fan of REM. This one goes out to is this that one? No, no that's not my, Orange Crush. I got my Orange Crush. It's that one. I always get them mixed up. But anyway, it's Orange yeah, Crush. It's the one with Orange Crush in it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Number 69, he's shaking the tree. Shaking the ass. Is Yusin Dor and Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is Peter Gabriel going through his Paul Simon phase. Yeah, that's actually a much kinder way of saying what I would have said, but yeah. Um, I mean, it's, don't get me wrong, I like the idea of world music. There needs to be more of that. You know, it, it can't just be dominated by the same six music production engines. You know, it's great that there's world cultures being celebrated and all of that. It did just feel like that was happening and Peter Gabriel was kind of looking like a goofy idiot. But all right, <laughs> he's you know. doing his dancing. Yeah. He's just like, and I get it. But it just has that kind of, you know, is this how you drink tea? Well, we don't drink tea like that. <laughs> so that kind of thing, you know. Um, Maybe. Just, yeah. I just don't, I just didn't, I didn't like that thing about it. But you know what? It's new cultures on TV and, you know, that's pretty cool. Yeah. There was, I mean, it was an 80s thing, wasn't it? It was this, we've said this before about people like Sting and the guy from the, the, the tribe from the Amazon and stuff like that. And, you know, it's like, look at me, yeah. I'm doing my, I'm doing my world. I'm doing, my, I'm doing my good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Malcolm McLaren being another one. He went around the world, you know. He, you know let's get the drummers yeah. of Burundi in the studio to record with, you know, with uh, Shaking Stevens. So, see, let's see what happens. What could happen? <laughs> it's too you know? much sweat. <laughs> it's, well, exactly. He, he shook all his sweat in him. They're like, take us back home. Don't want to be here. <laughs> now, <laughs> take us back. <laughs> He's got too many thick jumpers on. <laughs> He shakes too much. Um, <laughs> we feel he's quite ill. Uh, let's get on some albums. Let's just rattle through these. Seventh of May, in at number one, is Street Fighting Years by Simple Minds. Yeah, we spoke about that. Spoke about that. The eighth studio album. <laughs> spoke about this as well. Number two, Ten Good Reasons, Jason Donovan. These were all straight yeah. in, new entries. And at number three was Disintegration by Cure. I feel mm. a, I feel annoyed that Jason Donovan and Simple Minds kept Cure off number one with, with what is arguably my favourite album of theirs. Not arguably, it is my favourite album. drug-fueled album then. That's interesting yeah. you like that one. That's the one where most people say he was basically drugged out of his mind. Yeah, and but... The, his hallucinogenic drugs affected the actual album But production. the music is ace. Disintegration no, it's is... Not, it's not an account of him. He doesn't do anything. He's, he doesn't he don't write anything. He just talks. <laughs> Disintegration is such a great track, as is playing songs. <laughs> Loads of great tracks on that album. It's a really good album. Favourite Cure one. Uh, number 24, This Is The Day, This Is The Hour... This is this. This is this. Nothing pretentious about that title. No, it's Popolite itself. P-W-E-I. Pwai. Pwai. They're getting better, but they're not there yet. No, is this their first album? Oh, second studio Uh, album. Second, Mm, yeah. Second. Uh, In at number 25 is In Your Face by Kingdom Come. No. (laughs) They supported Wasp. Does that tell you anything else you need to know? They supported Wasp. Also, they had a third single, Stargazer, was pressed but never officially released. <laughs> like, yeah, I wonder why. That means that's as good as uh, Turbo Esprit. They made it, but we yeah. can't release it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever release it. <laughs> Don't ever. In three years' time, someone else will cover it and release it, and we'll wonder why. Do you see, two singles, were re- two singles were released from this album. One's called In Your Face, and the other one's called Do You Like It? Come so, on. Such, such, such a fine line between <laughs> genius and stupid. <laughs> I know. The subtlety of what they're trying to say is, is it's plain there. It's very detailed. He's the victim on this. Oh, right. So, such a fine line. Oh, yeah. Such a fine line, yeah. <laughs> Where they were still booing Kingdom, they were still booing Kingdom Come when Wasp came on. <laughs> but they bloody were as well. Um, and at number 32 is The Stone Roses by The Stone Roses. That's uh, a good album, that is. It is a great album. It is a fantastic yes, it's album. It's very Just classic song after classic song after classic song on that. So much better than everything else around them in that scene. They really were. 
Uh, but there you go. We spoke about it when the Made in Stone single was. We mentioned that the other week. But I just you listen, you look at the tracks on this, and it's like bloody hell, what an album! Yeah, it's very, very good. good. Clearly, somebody called Colin Larkin had jumped onto the Wikipedia and edited it because it says it's voted number eleven in the third edition of Colin Larkin's all-time top one thousand <laughs> albums. <laughs> Good old Colin. I mean, I don't. I rate all my albums by the the Larkin scale. <laughs> it's bizarre. It's like, how many Larkins did you give this? Six. Well, that's ah, good. that's at least bad, six then. Larkins. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's Larkin. a seven Larkin. Ooh. Oh, cool. Wow, I'm going to give that a listen. <laughs> it gets that high on the Larkin scale. It's a, it's a scientific measurement. In at number 39 is At This Moment by Tom Jones. God knows what he's doing at this moment. What was this? Is this just another sort of compilation album? It had his cover of Kiss on it, and it had a cover of Phyllis Nelson's Move Closer on it. Move Closer. God, can you imagine Tom Jones doing that? Do, 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 move closer. Well, it, might, it might have lost some of its subtlety. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think. I think it's safe to say. I want you to move closer. <laughs> exactly. Because she would have sung it like, you know, move closer. He's more of a shotgun blast kind of guy, isn't he? <laughs> da, 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 move. Da, 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 <laughs> and it's got, closer. you know, it's produced by the Art of Noise as well, some of the tracks on the album. So, you know, Trevor Horn's there in, in the house again. Oh, again. God. It was also released as Move Closer and Kiss, because those are the two tracks on that you might recognise. Yeah, probably. <laughs> If Trevor Horn's doing everything at the moment, does that mean that everyone's got the horn? (laughs) 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 Number three, 14th of May. In number three is Paradise by Inner City. Yeah. Do you know much Uh, about this? I don't know much about this at all. Yeah, techno stuff, really. Um, I said Uh. to you, when we spoke about Inner City before, they become quite big on the house and garage scene and sort of club scene. So you'll have heard inner city tracks when you if you've been to any nightclubs and stuff like that. Ah, okay. That kind of Detroit techno sound, they kind of were part of the part of that whole thing. Very good. I, I rate them heavily, but I you hear them a lot in sort of Danny Ramplin mixes from that time and so on and so forth. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Number nine is Kaleidoscope World by Swing Out Sister. Uh, the yeah. second studio album. Um, you remember Swing Out Sister? I do. I remember them, but I don't really you want to. Break out. That woman had the widest mouth ever. I mean, she made Steve Tyler from Aerosmith look like he had a narrow mouth. <laughs> the wide mouth of Swing Out Sister. Well, if she smiled and she was in, a, in an ordinary like house, it could smash the walls out on either side. <laughs> it's this very powerful sideways you know, movement. So you've got to be careful with that. Yeah, be careful. Number ten, good to be back by Natalie Cole. Is it? Is, it, is this the one? Was this? Was this? We talked about earlier on being really smooth. Uh, that wasn't. That was Donna Cole, Allen. Sorry, that was Donna sim- Allen. Similar kind of thing. Is it? Um, you, you remember the song "Miss You Like Crazy"? That song. That's all. That's on there. All right. Okay. Now this one. Now this one. In at number eleven <laughs> is "Step Into the Shadows." Now I've said in the past that I don't do pun titles, but I actually really like that title because it's stepping, stepping, apostrophe, you know, apostrophe, to the shadows. Not to be confused with step into the shadows. Now, that's good wordplay. <laughs> this is by the shadows, of course. Those wily old folk, they're good at this. <laughs> Absolutely. And you made me listen to You Win Again, the cover of You Win Again. <laughs> I was, I had it on loud and I was walking around the house and I was laughing how... It is. How... Barry Gibbs, lovely voice, had just been metamorphosed into the twang <laughs> of, of, um, of, you know, what's his face's fenders, twang, yeah. Twangy fender. Hank, Hank Marvin's twangy fender. He went <laughs> for a twangy down Hank. Down, 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 down. 
<laughs> so weird. It's it's just it had me in hysterics. Yeah, <laughs> going for a twangy hanker side, which sounds positively rude. Um, it, it's it just had me in stitches because it's it's just not you know all the power and emphasis of that song. You know, do 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 with that boom boom sound. They kind of they toned all that down. So that's that kind of down, and it's just kind of just like do 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 twangy. So twangy. And I thought, do you know what? In my mind, I saw like a a shootout scene in some kind of you know like the scene in the Kingsman. Yeah, it's like the sequence in the shootout in the church of the Kingsman. You could take the music off that, although the music is very good in that anyway. But you could put that music on it. I think it would work. Did you also listen to I Want to Dance with Somebody? I listened to the whole album. <laughs> I mean, I have to ask this question, you know, Whitney Houston, we've said about Whitney Houston, she sounds too much like Whitney Houston, right? Finally, we've got the <laughs> we've got the answer to our prayer. We replace Whitney with the twangy fender. What difference twangy does it make Hank. if I replace Whitney's voice with my twangy fender? Turns out quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. Does kind of take the majesty of that song away, doesn't yeah. it? A little well, do, you know, do you know what I mean? What we're doing though, I mean, when we when we singing and humming and trying to, you know, hum the twang sound to you as the listeners, we're actually doing it a slight disservice because we're doing it too fast. What you have to yeah, understand true. is that these these songs are all half speed. So it's not like it's like it's not like it's like, I wanna dance with somebody. It's it's like it's like it's it's almost it's like the sort of music that you would imagine someone being euthanized to. <laughs> you know, in fact, you could watch that um, Silent Green, that sequence where <laughs> famous sequence where he's he takes the old guy to you know to get to go and watch his final days in that big cinema screen and change the music out for the shadows. Step into the shadows music. I think it would work. <laughs> Step into the shadows. What an amazing thing. When I started out this week, I never knew that was coming. No. Oh, dear. Number 20, Songs to Make the Whole World Sing, Barry Manilow. Compilation album of all the songs that he's used to make the whole world sing. Does exactly what it says on the tin. <laughs> this is Ron Seal album. In at number 46, <laughs> In Search of Sanity by Onslaught. Sure they were by this point. I know I was. Awful thing, that. <laughs> yeah, that dreadful. Crash uh, metal. Mm. Number 68, Repeat Offender by Richard Marks. Yes, we've all you know heard um, the old Richard Marks song here and there, haven't we? Right here, right waiting. here waiting. Yeah. Wherever he you go. Is that his song? Yes. Well, uh, oh, now that's, I don't I mean, know as if in, it's his is song. It the, is it the first recording of it or was it, is it a no, cover of? No, uh, I don't. I, I wouldn't like to say. I don't think so, but you, that's a Google question, isn't it? Or, or a chat GPT these days. You know, who knows? Yeah, singer of a song about Richard Mark. It's the mm. he wrote and he wrote and recorded that first of all. And what was your crappy joke about Richard Marx? Richard Marx, something textbooks or so I can't really bloody was now. <laughs> so, don't know. So crap, forgotten it. <laughs> Richard, Richard Marx, your work down. I don't know. Twenty <laughs> first of May, number four is Mind Bomb by the the. Ah, no, uh, yes. No, no. Yes. With the Johnny Marr on guitar as well. Great. So it's the the Johnny Marr. It's the Arkwright's band. No, no, no. You come on, Granville. Come on, Granville. We'll get Nurse Gladys Emmanuel on on vocals. Your comment is ace there. No, no. Love that. That should be the review of their album. That would have been your magnum opus if you reviewed this back in the day that was your review just no no i'd I'd have bought you a bloody sherbet fountain for that oh thanks that's nice um (laughs) and at number 18 is blind man zoo by Ten Thousand maniacs it's hard to know what to make of them (laughs) yeah 
I don't know. In that Ten Thousand Maniacs, in that in that horror film with Robert Englund in. Yeah. Or was it, it was it, it based was was ten, was it was original one of the Herschel Gordon Lewis ones, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it is yeah something. It's based on a film, an old horror film name. Yeah. Yeah, Herschel, yeah. In fact, yeah, Herschel Gordon Lewis is probably right. Actually, yeah, I think it's one of his. There you go. So that's all most interesting about them. Number twenty three is "Working Overtime" by Diana Ross, her eighteenth studio album. Graham it was indeed not her most popular, though. Unfortunately for Diana Ross, not. No, people didn't like it. No, and he peaked at number one hundred and sixteen on the US Billboard, which is unheard of for a Diana Ross album. Yeah, shocking, Weird. shocking things. You know, she needs to get back working with the Bee Gees. She does, yes, yes, and you know, break them free from their chains or work with Hank Marvin. <laughs> he'll, he'll help her out. Come over oh, yeah. here, Diana. I'll twang you I with can... my fender. <laughs> Come over here for a twangy Hank. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, Hank. And at number 25 is Big Daddy by John Cougar. That's confused me. Big Daddy is the 10th studio album by American singer-songwriter John Mellencamp. Yeah, John Cougar Mellencamp. Yeah, yeah I know yeah. it's John, but I've always known him as. Stop yeah. chopping, don't chop and change. You're not John Cougar, you're not John Mellencamp. You're John Cougar yeah. Mellencamp. Everyone knows you as that. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know much about him, actually. I'm not, it's not a person I've ever listened to a lot, I have to say. Weird, it's a combination of his real name and his original stage name of Johnny Cougar. Okay. He's going to have a name. You may as well have that. <sighs> Whatever. Number 39 is Larger Than Life by Jodie Watley. There's not a lot going on in the album's charts. No. No. Uh, 28th of May, straight at number one, was The Miracle by Queen. Of course it was. I've already spoken lots of, about lots this. Lots of good stuff going on in there, yeah. I watched the video for The Miracle, by the way, which is probably coming up. That's an odd. More children appearing as grown-ups in tight spandex and stuff. Yeah, it's not good. You know, their ideas on paper don't make them real. Don't no. make them real. Uh, and at number three was Tin Machine by Tin Machine. Mm. Now, Tin Machine. It's David Bowie's ill-fated, ill-advised <laughs> nonsense yeah. of a thing. I don't know. Yeah. I I remember this coming out and it was like, what the hell? Um, yep. I, I, t- <laughs> I couldn't remember what they sounded like. Then you listened and then the people stopped coming <laughs> and the fish and the sea greens <laughs> and the plankton. Because what is that robot? He's a tin machine. <laughs> <laughs> he is a tin machine. Yeah, good old box. Yeah. Bowie's dalliance with eternal ass wankery. Hated tin machine and always thought that they should have been laughed out of it. They would have been laughed out of everyone, every agent's office in the land if it wasn't Bowie. Yeah. The only reason they got any is because of him that song oh, tin machine by tin machine is just dreadful it's, it's, it's dreadful, it's dreadful. It's bad. really bad oh. really really bad i'm very sorry if you like tin machine but not all of what barry did was good and this is no. not good no it ain't. i'd rather listen to dance magic dance yeah i agree actually yeah well, that's give, a fun give tune. Give us some more traditional. Give us some more traditional Bowie and none of this. None of this weirdness. No, but I look, you know, in fact, this this revitalized my career. Ugh. Did it now. Did it? What? Mm. Whatever. Finally, number 14, Life is a Dance, the remix project by Chaka Khan. A remix album. Unusual at the time, that. Yeah, but I think the only go. one kind of, I, well, I'm sure there were others, but the only one I was aware of at the time was the uh, Madonna one, the Jelly Bean Benitez yeah. one. Yeah, it's just, it's unusual to, you know, but Chaka Khan is Chaka Khan. Chaka Khan, where are you going, Chaka Khan? Chaka Khan. Chaka Khan. <laughs> Chaka Khan. Are you a Chaka Khan or a Chaka Khan? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a motivational poster. It is. It is. It's like, Chaka you know. Khan dancing. Are you a Chaka Khan or a Chaka can't? It's Johnny Wu from that. What's that? I forget the film. A pain and gain, isn't it? Do be a doer. Don't be a donor. <laughs> <laughs> God, that film. <laughs> oh, anyway, there we go. That's your music for May 1989. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We've still got four games to get through. I wonder if there's any good ones to come. Let's find out. And we're back. 
Let's waste no time. Let's get straight into it. Still got four games to go for this episode. The first one we've got is Realm of the Trolls. Realm of the Trolls. It comes from Rainbow Arts. This is the C64 version of Realm of the Trolls. Or is it, Graham? Down with the Trolls. Ooh, ah! Because <laughs> I, <have> <laughs> I have to say that every time. <laughs> Whatever. Could be a heavy metal song by Disturbed. It never crossed my radar. Anyway. Whatever this is, I don't. There's two names to this: Realm of the Trolls or Down with the Trolls. It's ten pound. The coder here was Peter W. Tyrolf, and the music is by Chris Hulsbeck. A lot of loading in this game. There is. I found there's a lot of loading, slow loading, slowding, um, slowding. and I'm not sure why there's so much loading. <laughs> I didn't understand it. A lot of loading. I can only think it's because it was. I think this probably was a downport from the Amiga version because the Amiga version came out at the same time. I don't know whether the Amiga version was made first and then they did this. I don't know what the Maybe. thing was, but anyways, a lot of loading. You'll be asked to insert discs all over the place, which is never pleasant. Um, and the end outcome is not. You know, it's not very pleasant for anyone concerned. So when the game finally loads, we get a confusing title screen. It's all silent. No music here, which is weird. There's an image of what I guess is our elven hero in the entrance to the cave he has to go and explore. Because you see, there is a story here, Graham. There is a story, and it goes thusly. Your uncle often spoke of some mystical place, a place full of dark secrets and evil. That doesn't sound very mystical. It's not Feeling really. it's about time, you set off for these caves. I thought it was a mystical place uh, to return <laughs> the treasure that was stolen from the elves and return it to its rightful place. From out of the realm of the trolls or down with the trolls, ooh, ah, 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 um, <laughs> that's essentially what it is. So you've, got, you've been told these trolls have nicked our stuff and you've gone, right, I'm off to get it back. You've got to go through over 200 troll grottos. 200? Await you in this unique action-packed role-playing game with cartoon-style graphics. That's from the box. I didn't write that. That's from the box. <laughs> and it's not true at all. This is not a role-playing game. <laughs> not, in a, not in the way I know a role-playing game, anyway. It's true that you play a character. You may be playing a role. But this is not an RPG. No, it's not. It's a flick-scrolling loadrunner type affair with some decent visuals, I guess, and not a lot else. So, yes. When the game finally loads, we have this title screen, and at the bottom, there are three images. You realize, actually, oh, there's a UI at the bottom. There are options. (laughs) One is your elf facing off against a troll, I think. The second is a disc with some trolls around it, and the third is a scroll with a sorcerer troll on it, I think. I don't know. And you've got an arrow that you can move about to select which one you want. You can tell this has come from the Amiga, because that's a mouse-driven arrow. (laughs) Yeah, totally. You know, it's like, oh, okay, there's an arrow to move around. Yeah, it would be all right with a mouse. So the first option is to play the game. The second option allows you to play around with some of the parameters of the game. I'm not going to go too much into them. The third option is a level editor, which allows you to change the levels and create new ones for your friends to play on, I guess, if you don't like them. Yeah, it's true. If you select play the game, you can play a normal game, a contest game, where supposedly you can play with up to eight people. But it told me that option did not have enough memory when I tried <laughs> to do it. It went, oh, no, no, not enough memory. Like, eh? Ah, you can't put more in. Something's gone wrong. Uh, and there's a test game where you can play any level you want. So it's a plaque of practice. Choosing normal games sees more slowing. Or I can say, thank God for the warp mode on Vice. And then finally, <laughs> the game starts. You can, because I'd still be waiting. You control your elf and you start at the bottom of a large maze like 2D room with lots of ladders and platforms. On some of the platforms are treasure, and it's your job to roam the platforms and collect the treasure. It doesn't get more exciting than that. Once you've collected it all, you can return to the door you entered in from and move on to the next level. This is very similar, just as, a, as an aside, to Bomb Fusion, really. It is. You collect, little, you collect stuff, you do a thing, you turn the thing, you head back to the track. Whereas Bomb Fusion, as you said, was like a shot of endorphin. This is like a shot of Novocaine or something, or whatever. It's just, a, it's just you know, the, the opposite. What's the opposite drug to endorphins? It's the... Ketamine or something, yeah. 
Um, Something like that. So, yeah, once you've collected all you can return to the door. The game takes place in the bottom two-thirds of the screen. The UI is at the top. Here you have your score, what hall you are in, and some bars labelled energy, which is your health, mental, who knows, I don't know what that one was. There's magic for powering your stuff, your the attacks you've got, I think. And finally, time, which slowly depletes as you play. So I think that's your timer you've got to, to complete the maze. Controls are left and right for movement, up to jump, which is the weakest jump I've ever seen in a game. It's so crap. <laughs> it is. You can't jump up a level, so there's points where you can get no. stuck. Uh, which is annoying, um, and down to duck for some reason. I never came across a reason why I ever needed to duck. <laughs> no, I didn't. So I don't know what that's there for. You can also press space to see a map of the full level at any time uh, and move an arrow around it for some reason. It just goes off after a short period of time, so there's no reason for that arrow. There's also a section of the UI that has some stuff in it for no reason and another arrow. It's in the top left of the screen. (laughs) Now, considering you use the same arrow to pick stuff in the initial menus and you can move the arrow around the map screen, doesn't do anything. I was convinced that I could access that, that part of the UI and do something, but you can't. Nothing I did allowed me to do. I think it's just ornamentation with an arrow in it. I don't know what it is. I don't understand. Anyway, around the levels, trolls will pursue you relentlessly, and should they get near you, will try and kick you and take away your energy. Should this drop to zero, then it's game over for you. You have a couple of ways of fighting back. You can hold fire and press left or right. Fire's the weakest weapon I've ever known. It's like a little <laughs> spurt about three pixels wide. What's that? It ain't good. Or you can pull diagonally down. Uh, and press fire, and this will create holes in the floor for the trolls to fall in. Be wary, though. If you do this on the bottom level, which I did, the thickness of the floor is too much for you to jump out of. So don't fall in the hole, like I did, because I thought I could walk over the troll's head that I dropped in there, which would make sense, you'd think. So that's it. And that's about it. You wander about these mazes, and they... uh, they don't scroll properly. I'll come to that in a minute. What we have here, I don't think it's not even Load Runner. Do you know what this reminded me of? Was Space Panic. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, good call. So that, you know, the game that considered the very first platformer predates yeah. Donkey Kong, because that was essentially moving up ladders, ladders, monsters, digging holes to drop them in. I mean, the collecting stuff's a bit more Load Runner, I guess, but essentially Space Panic, this, it's, it's, it with fancy trousers on. It's just Space Panic. It's another retro blast. You know, we've seen this loads of times, and they've just put something on, but it's Space Panic. And that's nearly a decade old now. So, it is. and whilst it may have been like, okay, nearly a decade before, you know, 1980, arcades were new and things like Space Panic, like, oh, look at this, it's all right, we'll play that sort of thing. You've really, you got to need something more to hold the interest at this point. It doesn't help that the gameplay is really slow as well as you trudge around the maze and climb ladders. There's no real oomph to this. And the flick screen no. scrolling, which is annoying, the Amiga version has full screen scrolling, so it scrolls with you. This scrolls when you get close to an edge. So it does that. Get closer to the edge, across, get going up a ladder, upwards. Mm. It's not great. It makes, just makes everything feel even worse. The main sprite's okay. There's some nice animation on the main character. He's okay. It's not too bad. The trolls are okay wandering about, but there's not a lot else. The music's okay. It's not one of Fuelsbeck's best. It's a bit no. on the nothingy side. It just, it just suffers this from being really dull and really uninteresting. I mean, if you want a game on like this on the C64, go play Load Runner. We reviewed Load Runner years ago, ages ago. And I suppose there's loads of other variants of this, but and they've, they've come out since. Load Runner's been being remade and remade. But Load Runner had a real fast pace to it, single screen, running around, going up ladders, collecting the things, moving on. You had the editor. It's, this is a Load Runner space panic ripoff and not a very good one. It's slowing will drive you nuts. And the payoff at the end is really not worth all that waiting when you get down to it. This really can get down with the trolls, Ooh, ah, 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 as far as I'm concerned. Awful game. Just boring. It's the, well, actually, it's too boring mm. to be awful. It's just a nothing of a game. It's just nothing to it. It's like 
what was that one we dynamic duo? It's like one thing, and it's you just do it, and it's dull. Yeah. And the mazes aren't even particularly interesting to navigate, and the movement's slow, and it's like oh, it felt also felt a bit like that Beyond the Ice Palace, reminding me a little bit of that from a visual standpoint. I thought that, yeah, there was elements of that, but just not even as interesting as that. Nah, this is really empty and dull. And what did it get? It got sixty percent. How madness! Madness. madness. How did it get that? We don't it's know. It's not two-thirds a good game. It's a 30-odd this at most. What did you think? I agree completely. I mean, it's not a terrible game to look at initially. You know, there's, there's some nice little animations and the sprites have a nice animated quality. Some good stuff going on there. Sound was interesting enough and a, a very average couple of Chris Hillsbeck tracks, but Chris Hillsbeck on an average day, no, they're not terrible, but they're not great. They're just, eh. Yeah. Everything took a while to load, though, and that was the sign. I was like, hmm, loading going on here. That normally means that if it's too much loading, then it's not loading enough good stuff. When the game itself arrived, it's just, unfortunately, a really boring plod around a load of dull-looking ladders. Yeah. Now, picking the occasional thing up and being menaced by a gremlin graphics aside, it's just boring. It's just, it needed more thought. There's so, it's so little thought's gone into this. They've got thought about all the nuances of creating those little animations when he walks and everything else and the way your hair bounces and all that. To go through all those lengths and then to make the game nothing but wandering around. It's like, you, just, well, you missed out the game. You, where's the game in it? Yep. So it's just, it needed thought. It got 60% for a thoughtless game with average music and, you know, half a, half decent graphics. Okay, maybe there's some, maybe 60%. I think it's perhaps it's a little bit generous, mm. but it, it's a full price game as well. It just felt like it was just, it was a really bland thing. And it really shouldn't have been. It had all the sort of promise of it not being. It looked like it could be something really special if someone had actually put a game in it, but they didn't. So it ended up being pretty boring. And I was like, well, I've played games where I wander around a lot. And and there's something really interesting. At least you weren't being attacked by enemies every second. But even if you were, thank God you weren't, because you wouldn't have been able to do anything with that crap weaponry. (laughs) So unlike you, I found myself, you know, clearly, clearly when you've got things like crouch animations and stuff like that, then you know that there was more game to come that never made it in. So perhaps this was just, they were like, oh, just release it. You know, you've had, you've had six months to build this thing. You haven't, this is as far as you've got, release it, but it isn't very good. So sorry, didn't enjoy it at all. A good idea spoilt by not having a game in it. I think this is another one of those games where on the Amiga, it may get passed at this point because the graphics are going to be a lot better and people will sort of forgive it a little bit because it looks nice and scrolls smoothly. You downport it, you take all those things away and you're like, uh, yeah. We saw what we saw with Terrapods. Yeah, I think you're exactly but, um, right there. But yeah, not a good game, that one. No, The Realm of the Trolls is not a place I wish to visit. It can stay no, there as far as I'm concerned. It is a silly place. It is a silly place. Let's move on to our next game. And Graham, I've heard this said about you, that you are <laughs> a human killing machine. Tell it us all about known. it. It has. Some games do actually make you want to be a human killing machine, but we can't <laughs> say that because it upsets the podcast police. So we won't say that. <laughs> this is published by US Gold. It was a game that achieved a grand 31% for the C64 version. It was £9.99. It was coded by somebody called Mark Hay Hutchinson. But in reality, this is a Tiertex game. Now, you might remember Tiertex, US Gold's you know de- development division, and they made Street Fighter which is no coincidence, really, when you think about it. Mm-hmm. The musician here is Mark Tate. Now, my first impression of this was, what in God's name is this? What is it? <laughs> don't know. It's cl- I mean, the advertising for this is abhorrent. 
abhorrent. It's the guy pulling out a massive, like a massive Bowie knife. It's it's a partic- it's quite a provocatively violent cover, and I think completely unnecessary. And actually, I think it got them into some bother here and there because it's just not the kind of representation you want. It's not the idea of a game called Human Killing Machine with a guy on the front dressed in combats with a giant knife. You know, we're not far off. You know, there, there was a, a range of uh, incidents in the UK over time, and you know these kind of these kind of covers are very provocative, and they don't do anyone any favors to have this kind of imagery out there. It's just not a good thing. So that aside, this is clearly an attempt at you know a Street Fighter game. Another one, maybe US Gold were trying to right the wrongs of Street Fighter, knowing that they produced a literally a piece of shit. <laughs> maybe this was their attempt to do that. Well, they're never going to do it with this. What I mean. If, when it starts, does that, the ta- is it me or does it does it strike you that the logo for this looks like the weir- a weird Indiana Jones style typeface? Yeah, it does very much so. Yeah, it's even got Indiana Jones style coloring. Really mm-hmm. odd title screen. And the idea of the game is you have to fight your way through. I forget how many levels it is. I've not noticed down, but you have to fight your way through a series of fights. It's, it's basically Street Fighter. So you'll go from location yeah. to location to location. I think you fight two fighters in each location. I think it's eight locations. You fight two fighters in each location, and at a certain point, you'll be punching dogs again. Think about punching dogs this episode. Don't is, punch yeah. It's not a nice thing. Don't punch dogs. It hurts. It really hurts them. They don't like it. No, no. Anyway, so the game will start. And when I blinky, you missed that if there was a loading screen, it sort of you know flew past me. I can't imagine it'd be any good if there is one. And I don't remember it. So if there is one, it's probably crap. And I don't remember it. But it then went to a sort of text on the screen, giant bold text that said, you know, basically you're going to Russia kind of thing. I was like, okay. And then um Yeah. The game just started, and there it was. You know, this weird but colourful background of some kind of Russian-inspired building. I think, I think that's what it was. Meant to be some kind of temple, similar to the first level of Street Fighter One, might say, where you. I think it's supposed to be the Russians. Kremlin, isn't it? Is it the Kremlin? I, it, it could be. It wouldn't surprise me because I think I'm not sure if there's some kind of there's some kind of half-assed story to this game. I couldn't find a lot of instructions or anything partic- that were particular to this. There's loads of different versions of it, but in reality, I think the idea is that you're actually fighting soldiers. I think at this point, I think, and I don't know. It's just a fighting game with a kind of side dressing on it, and you are in Russia and for this, but it's in it's you know as you are in Street Fighter fighting Russians as you do in Street Fighter. It's it's basically the same thing. When the game does start, the top two thirds is the game window with. Tiny, tiny, wee little fighting sprites. So no bigger than an amoeba. It's the tiniest fighting game. Tiny fighting. If this was Street Fighter, it'd be like, tiny Street Fighter. Hey, it's little tiny Street Fighter. <laughs> Alley Fighter. Um, it is. Uh, in high-res overlay, I suppose you could call it that, but with graphics so small, with so few animation frames, that it renders it unplayable and unenjoyable at the same time. It's almost akin to Yao Kung Fu and that kind of uh, that kind of size sprite, but with less animation frames than that even. And that yeah. had the benefit of being at least Kung Fu based and you could jump around, which you won't want to do in this. There's no fun to be had with this, by the way, none. No. Um, there's no notion of control really at all. Something might happen in this game maybe, but there's no logic applied to any of this. The bottom third is the large logo of the game. So most of the screen is taken up by the logo, you know, human killing machine, massive at the bottom there. <laughs> and then a crap spectrum looking UI with the name of your character. You play a character, by the way, called Quan. You do. And which is basically another version of Ryu, essentially. It's just Ryu. Yeah. But you play Quan in this one. And the first player that you're against in level one is called Igor. And by the way, that if you think that Igor the Russian is, well, that sounds a bit stereotypical. Work your way through this game and <laughs> you're going to meet even more of them. And I'm not going to even bore you with the, the stereotypical names of the fighting characters in this, but you can use your imagination. You know, you go from country to country to country. You know, we're not in good territory with this. No, we're not. So there's this crappy Spectrum-esque UI and then sort of, which has a an image of your player-ish, like a black and white, weirdly, a black and white stamp image of them. <laughs> um, 
and <laughs> your energy and your score in a mini it's like i say it's an icon i don't get it but it's clearly straight from the spectrum version they haven't done anything with it other than just draw draw that so they're going oh, that looks all right draw that on it the amiga yeah. version by the way is much bigger sprites it's much more like street fighter it looks a lot more like that it's still it crap is, yeah but it looks more like street fighter it's way bigger this is like Something went badly wrong. Even the Spectrum version has bigger graphics than the C64 one. They all do. The, mm-hmm. the C64 was reserved for micro fighters, tiny, tiny. <laughs> anyway, so when you move your joystick, supposedly your fighter's going to move. It actually just fidgets and shuffles and twitches across the screen. Maybe he'll do, do a weird back foot. There's not enough frames of animation to really know what he's doing, actually. Um, he might yeah. be walking. He might be just doing some kind of one-step shuffle. Who knows what he's doing? He could be doing the Macarena, for all I know. It doesn't make a difference because you won't want to fight with him because as soon as you start trying to do moves, everything you do is the opposite of what it actually does. So you'll try and kick, it won't kick, it'll crouch. You'll try and crouch, he'll punch. you try and punch, he'll jump and backflip. You're like, what? Who invented the controls for this? And <laughs> what was going on in their life that made them unleash this onto humanity there's apparently loads of moves you can do like kicks jumps punches somersaults it's just rubbish though you can't really do anything so and by the way just in case you because you won't be able to pull any of these moves off in a meaningful way so don't don't worry about it though because the game's so ridiculously easy that you won't need to because you can just do the same move over and over again as soon as you get one move that's successful you just do that move repeatedly keep doing it and then eventually igor will be no more yeah. And that's kind of how this game works, because once you find a successful move, they, they don't they have no logic and AI fighting ability at all. They just stand there and let you hit them repeatedly. And by the way, they do regain their energy, but in a stupid twist, your energy takes very does very little damage to them. So you have to really hammer the buttons to keep hitting them to reduce their energy down. Yeah. If you don't, if you just do the odd tap, their energy regains quicker than you can take it down. So you can never beat them unless you do that particular move. Stupid that, isn't it? So you'll shuffle and fidget your micro fighter across the screen with the joystick. Or you, well, you won't. You'll try that, but it won't work because that's not what this game's really about. Now, I'm going to pause there and just take a moment to just take stock of other things that are around. So many, many moons ago, we reviewed Way of the Exploding Fist, two-player mm-hmm. fighting game with really big sprites that did a one-on-one fight with lots of competent moves and really good sound effects. And we mm-hmm. said that should have been a gold medal, and so it should have been. <laughs> <laughs> Later then, we looked at International Karate, competent two-player fighter with large sprites, with lots of complex moves, all in the right places that probably should have been a gold medal and really wasn't. We then looked at IK+, Plus, a three-player game with large sprites, larger than average sprites, actually, that is a competent fighter with lots of moves that you can do backflips and jump kicks and all sorts of stuff, very competently programmed, didn't achieve gold medal status, but you know what, you can't have everything. Then there was Fist 2 Tournament, large two-player fight game with energy levels in it energy bars across the top well energy energy numbers but energy in it so mm-hmm. it wasn't just a one kick knockdown you could actually fight and you know go into battle a little bit quite a step forward that then there was fist plus well we don't normally mention fist plus but i mentioned it in context because it had giant fighters in it now i don't get why in a world where you have all of those games with giant sprite fighters in them that you think it'd be a good thing to release a game with fighters the size of stamps I don't get it. (laughs) Let alone make it uncontrollable and make the moves uncontrollable. I don't understand what the purpose of this game is. This is utterly, utterly, utterly rubbish. And it's worse than Street Fighter because at least Street Fighter was an attempt to be something else. Now, believe it or not, um, US Gold actually went to Capcom and pitched this as... We'll make, let us make Street Fighter 2. No, we'll, you know, give it to us. This is what we've made. Look at what we've made. This is Street Fighter 2. And they went, Capcom apparently looked at this and just went, get out. So they released this as Human Killing Machine because it wasn't, it was meant to be Street Fighter 2. And you can sort of see it all the way through. You can see how they've really lined this up to be that. 
eagerly thinking they must they'll love it. They thought Street Fighter was great. Nobody nobody ever said that. Nobody said no. those words. It was it, it was bloody rubbish. So you haven't looked at all the games that are better than this and bigger. You haven't even looked at the games that are worse than this, but probably the same size. But you know, there's plenty of them around. So this is just utterly rubbish. It's the worst fighting game I think I've seen on the system because the animation moves just don't make any sense, and the sprites don't make the graphics aren't terrible in them of, in of themselves. They they're well realized in that kind of high res overlay kind of way. Okay, I get that, but there's nothing else to it. You can't do anything. The game doesn't work, and if you do manage to beat the first fighter, well, you will beat them. But if you do, if you can be bothered to beat them, is actually the thing. Even when the dogs come on, you're like, "What on earth is that thing?" Yeah, look, dogs have four legs, and they they are pretty animated creatures as it goes. The, I don't know what this this stiff looking block monster came shuffling towards me like some kind of splat. It looked more shat than born. I don't know what that was. <laughs> um, awful thing. So it's more colourful than high-res, I get that, but this is just an unplayable, turgid mess of a thing. No, apparently, right, on the Amiga, this was fourteen ninety nine. So this was budget mm. Amiga game territory. I know. So and this is their, their first budget foray on the Amiga. Beggar's belief, then. It beggar's belief that this was nine ninety nine on the C64. So how can you release it as budget on the Amiga, but release it as full price on the C64? It, it does not make sense. It doesn't make any sense to me anyway. There is nothing good here, Adrian, nothing. It's a terrible, well, I'm not even going to call it a fighting game. It's a shuffle game, and it's a bad one of them. It's bad to control. What music there was was, I suppose, maybe passable. Maybe that's the only thing you can say about it. The graphics, maybe they realized okay. I don't know. But the sprites are too small. The moves are crap. The controls are bitty. The game makes no sense. It's bloody rubbish. No, don't get it. No. I mean, if this was what you were thinking would be a sequel to Street Fighter, how deluded were US Gold at this point? Goodness <laughs> me. Goodness me. Now, there's a really good article. I won't go into all the article. I'll post it in the show notes. I recommend that you read it. There's a really good website called thebadgamehalloffame.com. It's a great resource. And there's an entire strand section of the whole thing based of, around Human Killing Machine and all the different variations of that. I strongly recommend that anyone who listens to this podcast go and give that a read because it's fascinating. It's a really good in-depth analysis of all the brouhaha and crazy. And if you really want to see how nasty and dodgy and dirty the games industry was at a certain point and certain magazines, you know what, bow your heads in shame because some of the reviews for this were giving it you know, really high percentage rates, like 10 out of 10 in some of the Spectrum magazines because the review was written by the people from US Gold. Oh, dear. And published in the magazine word for word. They were even name-checking their friends. Hang your heads in shame, magazines. Go and read that, because it's it, honestly, it makes for the... It's terrifying reading. It's, it's unbelievable, yeah. because there was a lot of this going on. A lot of the US Gold and a lot of these other companies were paying some of these magazines big books to get their games in there and make them say positive things about them. That ain't good. But what did you think? It's awful. <laughs> It's a dreadful I'm thing. I'm glad you said that, because I think if you went, oh, I really like it. I'm like, what? Uh, so I, was, I mean, my first sentence here, is this someone, because obviously I didn't look into the background of your review, so is this just someone trying to get some mileage out of the US Street Fighter engine? It looks awfully familiar. <laughs> looks it awfully familiar. Oh, what is this? It's not a good fighting game, this. The music was yeah. all right. I found you could pull off some music relatively easy, but it was only once you learned I think it was down towards and down towards and fire. Just did that sort of double sort of low kick. You just yeah, keep so, I mean, doing once that. you found a move that works, you'll keep just keep doing that move. Yeah, There's no just logic keep doing to that, that after that. And it, it, I mean, that, that obviously way the exploded fist had the down leg sweep. It's a down leg sweep, isn't it? It always works. Fighting itself is boring. There's no there's no sense of impact or anything. There's no sound effects. It's oh. just music. It's no sound. You don't, What's you don't need them, do you? No, like you said, I suppose the graphics are not too bad in the tiny fighter high res overlay kind of way, and the backgrounds are. 
but the, I don't like the idea of fighting against a dog and a bull. Let's just put that in there. There's no need for no. that. Human killing machine, you're not really, are you? You're killing dogs and bulls. Yeah, it's not nice. I'm not sure what they're trying to achieve with this because, like you've said, and like we've said many times, uh, Exploding Fist, IK, IK Plus, Barbarian, another one, they all exist. And if you're going to do a fighting game, you got to be better than those, or at least approaching them yep. or doing something different not just talking about like big sprites and things like that i'd rather go play that thai boxing or bangkok nights than this because both of those were way way better than this it's just not very good this in the slightest it's just a bad fighting game i mean it, it's not ninja hamster bad um no. so it's not that it's not down there and i do think it's probably better than the street fighter conversion or whatever the thing was if it's on a par maybe i think it's a little bit better but it's still a bad bad game it's not yeah it's yeah but you know when you say well it's not as bad as street fighter that's like well okay that's what well, not much, much is, is it really not much is it's down there though it's down there this is a bad game stupid title as well no need for it is there just no just rubbish and like you said it's very um representationally questionable should we say but it ain't it's good is it it ain't good. It ain't good. Human killing machine. It ain't good. That should have been the tagline. Good. Let's move to the next one. Hopefully that'll be better. Hot shot. Gary like hot shot. <laughs> <laughs> He's back. He's back. Gary Lanaker. Is Gary Lanaker's hot shot. Gary Lanaker hot shot. We like this. Uh, it's another <laughs> month. This is Gary Lineker's hot shot. It's another month. Another football game leaps from the shadows and tries to ape the fun and excitement of micro soccer. This time, our favourite football of the time is back in Gary Lineker's hot shot from Gremlin Graphics. Coding here is by Ray Ray Trudeau, Ray. with graphics <laughs> by Rory Green and John Harrison. And music by Mr. Gremlin himself, Ben Daglish. Upon loading, we are presented with a very busy title screen. <laughs> the title screen is this was like, ah, I'm overwhelmed. There's too much on there. It's got credits, <laughs> logos, names, and options all vying for position. It's like, oh, what am I supposed to be looking at? I can't tell. Uh, there's stuff like that. <laughs> but I'll tell you what to look at. At the bottom, there's a football. <laughs> and underneath this, and it's really weird, this, there's an option highlighted with some raster bars. And above the football will be the choices for that option. This seems backward to me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Surely you'd have the header above the football and the choices below it if you're going to do it this way. Or yeah, not have the football so. at all. <laughs> so you give yourself some more bloody space. So, yeah, so you moving left and right. Okay, changes. I don't know how to explain this, but moving left and right changes the options available. So you've got a load of options, and each one will come up. You move left and right. So the first one, you can choose your pitch type, and you can play on either grass or astroturf. Uh, the next one is you can change team one and team two's colors. So because what will happen is you move along, it'll change change two, and then the bottom, the top option, which should be at the bottom, but it's at the top, will say red or blue, and you can flick between them using up and down, and that's how you change there. It's really weird. It's a really odd, bloody console system for this and dead unintuitive you can pick sound effects for music or music for in game you can change the pitch color i've always wanted to play on claret grass <laughs> haven't you and i did <laughs> it was stupid you can play against the computer or another human you can change the length of each half from 5 10 15 or 45 minutes i think and you can finally change the difficulty level well your division one so you play division one two three or four like i said you change any of these options with up and down and getting to those options with left and right, it's a it's an, a stupid menu system. It's really ridiculous. I didn't like it. But anyway, once you've sorted that out, you press fire to start the game. Now, depending on the difficulty, this is where it gets really weird. You get one of four teams to choose from. Now, from each division, so you'll have Division 1, Division 2, Division 3, Division 4. Oddly, the teams are all different magazines from the time. <laughs> 
I don't know why. To, but I don't. You, you just get the option, and you do get the option to change the name of them if you so desire. So you, if you're in Division Two, you can pick Zap. I think you can Commodore user of somewhere, and there's Amiga Force. There's all these different your your Sinclair. There's all different magazines. They're all in different divisions. I don't know what was going on. Whatever. Once you're happy with the team, you can press fire, and the game can begin. So the first thing you'll notice if you didn't pick a claret pitch, because that's the first thing you will notice. You've got a claret pitch. Who thought that was a stupid option? Um, is the amount of screen given over to the UI. That's the first thing you'll notice. Loads of screen given over to the UI here. A good third of the screen at the bottom is filled with stuff. There's loads of stuff, pointless stuff at the bottom. So from the left, we have the word score, then the teams and their respective score. Now I can work that out. You just need to give me the names of the teams and a number next to them. I know that score. I don't need something to tell me. Pretty simple, really. Then we've got a map of the pitch. Again, I kind of know where I am on the football pitch. I don't need a map. Then we have each team's power bars, a small space for some messages, and then an overly designed stopwatch with the time left on it. <laughs> Above this, taken at most of the top two thirds, is the game window. Not quite all of the screen, though. A bit zoomed in. There's a bit of edge around oh, yeah. it. Top down view of the game. So, yeah, and on that window, you'll play what I will loosely call football. You know, I'll loosely call it football. I think you're being kind. <laughs> There's another top-down view of the game. Trying to do what Micro Pro Soccer did so well, but just failing. Just failing. <laughs> Controls are very similar. Eight-way movement controls your player. When you have the ball, you can hold down fire and your player will just stop. Just stop. In the UI, your power bar will start to grow and then shrink and letting go of fire kicks the ball in the direction you're facing with the power selected to its full bar. It'll hit it as much as you can, low bar, blah, blah, blah. If you hold the joystick in the opposite direction, just like you could in micro soccer, you'll kick it backwards. Do a hover kick. And using the diagonals, kicks it in those directions instead of straight forward. You don't get banana kicks, you just get kind of off, off to the left or right slightly kicks. Should you not have the ball, then supposedly you can slide in on the opposition if you press fire when running. Sometimes it would do it. Sometimes it wouldn't not. As in football, balls go out for corners, throw-ins, and goal kicks. Control of the keeper is automatically done by the computer. So that's basic stuff here. The graphics themselves, like the polish of the sensible software game, the chunkily medium res without the high-res overlays, and the lack of screen to play in quickly becomes a pain. Very, there's lot, not a lot of room to move around. The scrolling's also jerky. It's really jerky. It is. And control of the players is jerky. Lacks any kind of finesse as they bumble about all over the place and bumble into each other and run around and, and it's just things moving. Sometimes goals will be called as goal kicks. I scored once, <laughs> rolled in on the floor. Goal kick. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's in the back of the net. That <laughs> ain't good. <laughs> that's a goal. No, it's a goal kick. You're rubbish, ref. And sometimes the ball will bend because the scrolling kicks in in defiance of the laws of physics, don't kind of move properly. It's all over the place. It's bad, this. It's jerky. It's horrible. When things go off for like a throw-in, you have to wait for ages for one of your players to run up and take the throw-in. All the time, the clock's counting down. The clock counts down and it starts counting as soon as you're moving it at the beginning. So even before you kicked off, you, you can lose seconds. It's just rubbish. There's loads of stuff that's wrong with this. The whole thing feels like a quick knockoff that's tried to justify the price of and they've tried to justify the price of ten pounds by slapping Gary Lineker's name on it. You know, it's just like Macro Soccer's done really well. We need mm. one. We'll just um, we've got Gary they've got a Gary Lineker license, so stick his name on it. Because again, like the first game he sponsored, he's nowhere to be seen. At least in like that training one. Gary was in the, uh, you know, Gary Lanneker was in the actual gym. It was Gary's gym, but at least we could see him. Here, we're playing as magazines. None of this makes sense. How is this Gary Lineker's hotshot? You know, on the cover of the game, on the cover of the, the box, he's heading it in, and there's pictures of Gary and there's all this kind of stuff and blah, blah. No, none of that in here. The teams and magazines, there's no player names. It's just a basic micro soccer ripoff. 
with Gary Lineker's name slapped on it. That Super Cup football we looked at was way better than this. Better controls, graphics, scrolling, and played an okay game of football. Took up most of the screen, played fine, way better. If you want a game of football that looks like Micro Pro Soccer, came out before Micro Soccer, go play Super Cup football. Much better. This is better than four soccer simulators, don't get me wrong, uh, but the number of options flatters to deceive because none of them mean anything. Like I said, who wants to play on a claret pitch? I think the ball bounces slightly more if you pick AstroTurf. If you pick AstroTurf, it's just a flat colour. If you pick grass, they've done that cyan shading like they did in MicroPro Soccer. It's exactly the same. But just once into this, yeah. once into the game, you realise just how good MicroPro Soccer really was and how bad all these wannabes really are. It's arseball. It's rubbish. Just crap. I hate, I'm just really getting fed up now with these shitty football games that we're having to wade through. That are, You just know we're all garbage and it got 53 percent. and another joke just a rubbish rubbish football game terrible plays terribly plays jerkily doesn't play like anything no what everyone's just running about crap go play macro soccer or super cup much better what did you think well shock horror another football game that turned out to be a micro pros soccer ripoff and b crap are we really surprised by that no i mean Top down football is the new sideways football, isn't it? In C sixty four world, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and we've yeah. had loads of them. I mean, this look, this looks alarmingly like the other four soccer simulator thing. It does, yeah. And it also suffers from the same problems. You're not as good as coding as you know the guys that sensible are. No, You're not. No. Micro Soccer was a game in a little microcosm of that. And yes, other games come along and sort of align itself. And even the early version of it, which was because they're based on what's the name of the arcade that they're all basing this on? Is it Tekan World Cup? Tekan World World Soccer or something. something Yeah, something like that. They're all basically that. But Micro Soccer is the one that's kind of did it justice. And then obviously that goes on to become very successful in other ways. This one is just rubbish. And I written down exactly like you did. This is just Gremlin have gone, wow, look, you know what? Let's make one of them. Let's just, you know, stick Gary Lanaker's name in it. Because, you know, you'll put your name on this, won't you, Gary? Me like. You know, you, you know we know, go, it's just, you know, right down there. But it's, t- you know, it's just rubbish. I've tried to play it and it's just not playable. It's and not. that's for a football game is. We know it's the same problem we had with Four Soccer Simulator. It's just not. It's not. It's not working. It's not a very good game. It's mm-hmm. a. It's a ripoff of a much better game at the same, or a slightly cheaper price, isn't it? But still a ripoff at nine pound ninety five for this, just because they've got the stuck Larry Linick on it, because they know he had currency at that time. People would have bought it because he was on it. Yeah, absolutely. Which is which is absolutely abhorrent. It's just you know these are young kids who you're talking about here. You're not talking about adults who would want this. You're talking about young, impressionable kids who were into football. And that's low. That's it. That's low. And this is what this is what Gremlin became. Now, I don't care what everyone says. You know, there is a few good games there, the Monty on the Runs and stuff like that. Okay, fair enough. But they became something like a lot of these other companies, like Elite, like Gremlin. Well, Gremlin have become like Elite, like Ocean, like US Gold. They're just ripping people off now. And this is another example of a Gremlin game. Half finished, half working, half fast. Rubbish. The only thing not half is the cost. It is dreadful. Why mm-hmm. would you do this? Why would you know what they spend all that time trying to build up? You know the name for themselves as as these things with these er- those early releases having some good things about them. Only to know at the end of the C64's life, just start ripping people off. Shame on you for this. I thought it was awful. No, 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 no. No, no, you're right. It's all rubbish. Just rubbish. And how did it get that score? Come on, fifty three percent. Get lost. Yep. Yeah. Oh, there we go. More crap. More crappy football. Oh, it's not like the C64 can't do good football game. <laughs> it can. We've played them. What baffles me it is it's it's because obviously football was the it's the national sport, right? In Britain, mm, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Football's the national sport, and it's only this sport that has this level of 
copycat chicanery going on because leaderboard golf came out and it was the champion golf game and there's been very few golf games that have come out since that there's the odd one but not not like there's been loads of football games you know we had emily hughes that kind of conquered the sideways game there was no other football game ever going to match that then shortly after that microsoft came along aced it and then we just had a steady slew and in fact if you could even argue international soccer's got its place in all that, that canon mm, as well yeah, absolutely then you've just had this steady slew of crap football games one after another all trying to suckle on the money teat it's just it, it's, <laughs> it's getting me really angry it is because it's just it, it's just ripping kids off you're talking about kids you're ripping kids off 10 quid here who wants to do that you don't make you don't set up a company and make games so you can rip people off do you is that why they did it this whole Bedroom to billions notion of these this cottage industry that went from people coding in their bedrooms to becoming millionaires. Was this the real end result they all aimed for, was to rip kids off? Yeah, Come probably. on. That, one, that wasn't what the game industry was about. That wasn't what attracted people I know to it. And you wouldn't get away with it now. Or would you? Maybe they do release broken games and then, but at least they can patch them. Can you imagine if they release this and then sent you a tape a week later? Right, lo- lo- don't load that one in. That was crap. This is the, this is the actual one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it really rattled me that. Just, I hate to see it. And it just keeps happening with the same companies over and over again, doesn't it? It does. Just rubbish. Just rubbish. No, rubbish. There we go. Uh, more rubbish. Hopefully, maybe we've still got one more. Maybe the, we can have one good one before the end. Let's see. And Graham, it's over to you for you to run the gauntlet. Ah, yes. Now, this was £9.99, and it was published by Ocean. The producer was DC Ward, Detective Constable Ward. Strange that a policeman would even be involved in this, really. <laughs> well, some of these games, pretty well <laughs> Actually, yeah, be, to be fair. Because Daylight Robbery um, was some of this rubbish. This was coded by Mark Charles Rogers. They obviously couldn't decide on a name. And Chris Kerry. And the graphics are by Steve Kerry. No relation. Or are they related? I don't know. Mm-hmm. The musician here was Jonathan Dunn. This is based on an ITV show of the same name, which I, could, I had no memory of at all. Couldn't remember I, I a thing about it. it. So I did a bit of the old YouTube research, as you do, and then I still don't remember it that much. And I had Martin Shaw in it. He played Doyle in the UT, UK ITV series, The Professionals. And, and then it all came flooding back to me. I remember it now, yeah, because it's the one where everyone said, why wasn't it Bodie? Why wasn't it um, Phil, you know, what's, what's his <laughs> name? Is it not Phil Collins, but what's his name? Lewis, Lewis Collins. Lewis Collins. <laughs> Phil Collins would have been hilarious in that. <laughs> anyway, it's based on a TV show called Run the Gauntlet. Run the Gauntlet was a TV show where four nations, and now I don't know if it's the same four nations that were in the game. Maybe it was. Uh... But na- for, I don't know if it was different nations, but in the game it's four nations, but in the, it may be different nations. But they compete for the, the prize of being, you know, the champion. They, they run a gauntlet and the who, which is a, technically a series of challenges based in sort of mini vehicles and things like that, that kind of, so it's a bit all-terrain vehicle-y and then it's sort of assault course-y, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that they would compete against each other in these various different races of these different types, then the winner outright, and the challenges were pretty tough courses and things like that, and then the winner of that would be the winner of the gauntlet. They would have run the gauntlet one and they got they given a, like a giant fist, a giant silver fist. A bit unnerving. <laughs> Take over the doing. That's, that's what they won. Here you go. Here's your, here you've won the fist, the TV fist. Thanks. I think. Martin Shogo, it's based after mine. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it's exactly, it's, it's to scale. You can to be scale. Is it? sure it's gold. <laughs> Dear me. Silver, whatever. So, anyway, according to the blurb for the game, it says Run the Gauntlet TV competition spectacular. Compete as one mm. of the teams in the Run the Gauntlet contest. Your task is to win a Hulk program from the spectacular TV series with all the exciting events included. Battle to retain control of fast-moving craft on land and water, power up the assault course, dodging explosions, and keep ahead of the competition pacers. Enough ahead to win that most coveted of trophies, 
run the gauntlet. I think they should have given the trophy a name, shouldn't they? But, run it. Yeah. Run it. So in the, the challenge then, the run the gauntlet challenge is divided into three events, which are picked at random from the many in store. Each event consists of three segments, which can be either on land, water, or the hill. Well, it will always be the hill, and which mm-hmm. is an assault course. Complete the challenge with the best score, and you'll be awarded the run the gauntlet trophy. The vehicles you will be competing with are fast and exciting. Did you know that? So the vehicles are hovercraft. My hovercraft is full of eels. Um, speedboats, <laughs> jet skis, and then there's inflatables, buggies, quads, and supercats, um, which is a type of vehicle. You don't ride on a giant tiger, which was very disappointing when I got to that, but there you go. And each one of those has different characteristics. Hovercraft's tricky to handle. Speedboat's very fast and maneuverable. Jet skis, sleazy and demure, which is a bit odd. Inflatables, <laughs> moderately speedy. Buggies, fast with one man. Quads, fast with four people. And supercats, fast with six cats. So anyway, in the TV, in the game, I think is in the TV show, you can compete as four different countries. They are, weirdly, um, Great Britain. Of course, Great Britain. USA. Welcome, USA, everyone. Australia. Now, Australasia. (laughs) Australasia, yeah. It's Australia. Holland. Okay. Just, okay. That's who it is. It's those, those four. I don't know if those are just the four they thought of. Pull that hat. I don't know. But in the game, that doesn't change. It's, only those ever those four, isn't it? You can't change country or pick any yeah. out of a hat. That's it. That's just those four. And then, of four. course, you compete, you compete in the three separate challenges. The team with the most accumulated scores over the three challenges wins the Run the Gauntlet trophy, of course. Hmm. Apparently, up to three people can play it as you take it in turns with the remaining t- team person being a pacer. And if two players, you play two player, then it has two pacers. And so the kind of game works out. It's quite interesting how it mm-hmm. does that. But okay. So from the stirring title screen with, I, I thought quite good music, actually. It's got sort of sample music in it, but it's not bad music and not what I expected from Jonathan Dunn either. So that mm. was quite interesting. I was like, wow, okay. That sort of opened my eyes a bit. Quite good. You'll select your team all nice and bold. You can't really miss that, can you? When you select things, no. he shouts at you. The, the text is massive. Choose your yeah. team. Yeah. Then it's like, and then, and then it's like, and then you get this kind of, it's supposed to be Martin Shaw. I mean, you, you wouldn't really know because <laughs> n- you know, n- not all people are going to know who he is anyway. And that <laughs> image, is it? You know, it, it's, it's an eight bit Martin Shaw. You no, know, it's maybe it's you no, know, maybe it's Pete Shaw. It made me laugh on the loading screen. There's the same thing. It, it, there's a bit of text in it saying, hi, I'm Martin Shaw. Just so you remember. It's like, are you? I felt it was more of a kind of, are you sure, really? Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. sure. <laughs> I'm not sure, yeah. Maybe, I don't know. close to my chest. <laughs> so, after, you know, so you select, you know, from the giant selection things, and then, you'll, you know, Martin will guide you along the way with, you know, I'm Martin um, and that kind of <laughs> don't thing. Don't forget. <laughs> And then you uh, and then you sort of choose the, the courses that you're going to enter into are chosen for you. So there are always three. There is always a water course, an off-road course, and the hill, which is the assault course. So there's always those things. But the type of water course vehicle that you use and the type of um, off-road vehicle you use will change. So when I played it, I had hovercraft, uh, supercats, and then, of course, I had to challenge the hill. So that I was my version. Hill. What do you mean you never got the hill? Never gave you me the hill. the hill. They never gave me the hill. I played the whole way through, of course, and never gave me the hill. Oh, that's true, because the hill is kind of the key part. No, it never gave me it. I think, <laughs> I I think yours three went times. wrong. <laughs> I, think, I think somehow somehow you made it go wrong. Oh, well. Uh, maybe it does mix them up more than that. But anyway, that's not how the actual TV show works out. But No. So the, the vehicle changes, of course. The, the, course is, the course for the water are seen from a kind of top-down view, akin to many of the simulator-type games that we've seen like this, but actually better than those. Yeah, it is. The top three quarters of the screen is, of course, where the player sprites and everything is, the background, you know, that's where you are. You are. So the top three quarters of the screen is the game, essentially. And then uh, it also includes, in this particular, it also includes the lap indicator as well on the screen at that part. The bottom quarter shows the time for each player in a range of helmets, and you've got to navigate around the course through the flags. Well, 
through the blobs, the illuminating blobs. In the other versions, you get a little line to follow, the Amiga version stuff. You don't get that here, though. You get blobs that flash. And you've got to go through those, so through the flags, essentially. Over, and then you've got to go around the course in a series of laps. You're racing against other paces, so you've got to try and you know get the best time you can, essentially. Mm-hmm. And again, there's a timer there, and you get penalized for missing gates. You can hit the sort of side of the scenery, and that'll spin your, your vehicle around, whichever one you might be in, Hovercraft or whatever, in my my version. And there's these explosions that kind of appear. They're, kind of, they're in the TV show, actually, as well. There's kind of those, these like big, not explosions, they don't blow people up, but... They're just, you know, they're designed to be off-putting. But here, if you catch the, catching one, it spin you around and knock you off course. Oh, those explosions. Yeah, they, they, they always appear in the most annoying place. They're designed to do that, I guess. Um, so you're, not, you're trying to avoid getting caught in the wake of that. And you've got to race around the, you know, the course. The vehicles are quite fast. You control the, in this particular one, you control the vehicle with the joystick. So it's up to accelerate and left to right to rotate. My favorite kind of control, as we all know. Love it. Love it when they do that. <laughs> Although here I have to say it felt a little bit more controllable. Didn't feel like I was, I mean, it was, a little, it was tricky and it depends on the vehicle you got, but I, I wasn't too far before I was starting to get the hang of it. So I think maybe there's a little bit of affordance in there. It's not overly swingy, I think. So that's the first part, you know, you race around that and then you'll come to the end, you'll get your time and then you'll go on to the next one. The off-road that I did is a similar story to the other one. It's a top-down-ish view, kind of a 2.5D effect really. Slightly more zoomed in, so it's a little bit more, you know, the vehicles are quite large on the screen. The scrolling's all very competent. The top three quarters is, again, the game window. But this time, the lap details and the miles per hour for the players are indicated in the bottom UI. Again, there's the player helmets, the timers, and their lap time. But you also have, like I said, that lap and the laps and the miles per hour. Same notion, though. You control the vehicle around a bendy track, steer with the joystick, avoid the explosions, and try to stay on track. It's not as easy as it sounds. I enjoyed that section a lot more because the pace wasn't crazy breakneck speed. So when you accelerated and zoom off, you actually could control it around the bends. It felt like I could control it. So that was quite nice. And I enjoyed that. I had a really good race in that. I felt like I got a good game out of that. Mm-hmm. So that was quite good. The final hill though, well, this you didn't get this. So mercifully, you weren't tortured by it, I have to <laughs> I say. I heard it's a bit of a waggle first. Well, it's okay. It's, it's an assault course and the assault course runs bottom to top. So you're running up the screen for yeah, a start. Yeah. Now, and important to note, you're running up. Okay. Now, you need to waggle left and right so that you can go upwards. That hurt my brain immediately. <laughs> Got to tell you, it's really it's, it's horribly off-putting because you press the fire button to jump and you can hold the fire button and waggle, which increases your power as well. But if you do that, you've got to run across logs and you've got to run across the assault course itself. So you find yourself, when you're waggling, it's, it's, it's disconcerting. It it's, it's works against the idea of how you're trying to control it. Right, because you're trying to control somebody going left and right and up and down by waggling left and right and going and and it just sort of it starts to hurt your brain. You need to waggle and navigate, like I say. It's not easy to do that, and you've got to pass the various stages of the course. There's actually sort of component parts, so you're either on the ground where you've got to waggle left and right to go up. Was it, is it like that? No, it's not like that thing, is it? Because what one I'm thinking closest to is that uh, combat combat school where you had to waggle up and down, didn't you? And Yeah, it, it would have been better. I mean, I don't like waggling up and down because it feels weird, but it, it would have made more sense when you're running up the screen to do that. So left and right to go up and down feels a bit weird. When you've got to control left yeah. and right as well, it sort of just doesn't sit right with you. Anyway, yeah, it's a bit odd. So that's, but that's when you're in the, on the ground or you know, on the ground. If you're in the water and there's a water section of the game, you need to s- slow waggle. So you've got to slow, sort of sway left and right and wade through. So you've got slow waggle, so slow waggle, slow waggle. But it's really weird. And then there's a climbing net. When you get to the climbing net, you've got to go right, left, up, down, right, left, up, down, right, left, up, down, repeatedly Ugh. in order to climb over Ugh. the net. Yes. Trust me, it will drive you crazy. The UI is, again, part of the bottom of the screen, the same way as the others with the four helmets and everything else. 
But you've also, on this one, and this is where it gets really weird. You have a really weird power indicator in this, which is the shape of a man dressed in his underpants. <laughs> and the top right end of the screen. It really is. And, it's, and he either looks really buff in his underpants, kind of, you know, sort of, you know, giving you a kind of bodybuilder type pose. Mm-hmm. Or, and that's if things are going well, you know, if you're running well and you're doing okay. But if you start to trip or you land in the water, he goes all thin and wan like an old man. <laughs> and, this, and he flips between the two. So it's really weird. And the, the old man is still in his underpants. It's the same thing. It's like, it's like they measure your success in this by being, showing you a man in his underpants getting old. Now, I'll just, you know, an energy bar would have done. Yeah. Um, that's all I, re- I didn't need this kind of weird display. It's really, really strange. It, it's, it sticks out on the UI because it's, it's on the right-hand side. So it's over the sort of top of the game window as well. It's really, really weird. It's just, I don't know. It's not, even the instructions don't mention that. There's no mention of it. <laughs> Probably best they don't. No one would have bought it. I just, I'm not, you know, I just don't get when they were making all the other games. Why, why out of all the games, they just decided to have a, a, an underpant man in it. <laughs> I don't know. It's really weird. How can we best like uh, demonstrate to the player whether he's doing very well at this <laughs> and his energy is as well? We'll have a man change. Sort of, I've just seen Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. There's a bit in that where a guy ages really fast. I think we should do that. Oh, it's that really weird ace. because what happens is as you're running, you, it flickers between the two. It's really unnerving because one minute he's like muscle man, thin man, muscle man, thin man, old man, muscle man, man pants. He's got, then he has muscle legs, thin legs, muscle legs, thin legs. It's like, it's really weird. I don't get it. And I, I, and it's really off-putting and it's hard enough to waggle and do all the things. And then you you know, you're challenged with the man in his underpants looking at you going, <laughs> it's just weird. It's really odd. Why do that? Why those things? Anyway, the graphics in the game aside of that craziness the graphics in the game are generally good i thought and um, the ui for the game is bold you see you can't you know when you're selection screens you can't miss them i mean you're not going to miss any options they are in your face but yeah. that's okay the graphics in the games are a good mixture of well shaded medium res and high res medium res overlay sprites giving it quite a nice polish all said and done mm-hmm. in the water and in the off-road the views are nicely done and you've got a decent control of things i like the fact that i didn't feel like I did. I felt like I could control the even on the water. It felt like I could, and it was called a jet ski, by the way. So and so, but I did feel like I could actually control the jet ski, um, not a jet bike, jet ski, and I was able to control it on the water. So I, I thought those those were really good, um, and the views for those, you know, they're all good. Scrolling was bug free. The second one was more zoomed in. In the off road view, gave it a nice feel. It was nice. It's similar to BMX Kids actually, the way it looked like BMX Kids Road but with bigger vehicles, which is nice. Mm. The hill level was graphically good. I have to say the the player sprite was good. Background's well drawn. The old man in his underpants, I could have done without, (laughs) but there you go. But it's, you know, the the layout, just those horrible controls, which are just counter to how you would instinctively want to do things, don't work. Entering the waggle at this stage is just not a good thing to have done. There's, they should have thought of a better way. Mm. It's okay enough, I suppose. And I guess it, it's it's meant to be a tough challenge in, in that last level, but it's just it's just not as good as the other parts. It, they, if they'd have kept it simple and made it work in some other way, I think it would have been a really good triple triple event thing to do. Eventually, you'll finish it all. The winner's announced and you get a quite a nice graphic with a big celebrity trophy, big fist, big silver fist. Lots of graphics floating about, you know, and that's all good. Now, all of it is, it is a end-to-end finished production. So it's that's good. It's a nice complete package. It's better than most of these multi-event games that we've seen on the whole. The two initial games I thought worked pretty well together. The last one does have that annoying control and, of course, man pants, but, you know, it is what it is. It's not terrible. It's just not as good as the other two, and it is a bit uncontrollable. You might get used to that, though. But the music was good. The graphics are good. The general demeanor of the game is pretty good, and it does stick to the game of the TV show as well. 
So it's t- it ties into that. It doesn't do anything crazy. Certainly a lot better than that. It's a knockout game we played from Ocean many moons ago. Mm. I thought this was pretty good. It got 80%. I might, have been, I might have been tempted to give it a little bit higher than that. It's doing something a little bit different. At least you've got some competent race games in there. They've given higher scores for that for just the race games alone on some of the other some of the other games we've had. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe given this in eighties towards nineties. I don't know. Maybe somewhere around that. Maybe it's not this. This just for that last level having the wrong controls. But overall, I had a good time playing it, especially those first two levels, especially the second one. Not so much man pants, but there you go. What about you? Yeah, I enjoyed this as well. I mean, the weird thing about this is that it's released by Ocean because yeah. the, because <laughs> the people who made it. What's the names again? It's uh, Mark Charles Rogers, Chris Carey, Steve Carey. They're gremlin stalwarts. Because they worked on Avenger, Jack the Nipper, Mask Three, um, and they also did they also things thing bounces back. They also did that one we looked at the other week, which was pretty good. Super Sport, apart from the dodgy representation yeah. bit, they made that as well. So the, they've got sort of a bit of a knack of doing these kind of things, and you can tell. You look at it and you go, "This looks like one of those games." Like I said, the weird thing is it's released by Ocean and not Gremlin. This looks like a mm. Gremlin game. It looks like it has the look of one of those Gremlin games because it's those guys. But um, strange. It's, it's, an, it's an odd one, really. But however. Uh, it's good. I enjoyed this. Um, it's an mm. interesting multi-event game based on the TV show, as you said. Decent presentation. Nice, chunky style to the visuals. I liked it. It was chunky. Mm. And they fit the kind of game this is. It's a chunky game. Chunky visuals, chunky sprites, chunky vehicles to be driving around in. And the variety of games on offer is good, even if some of them are very similar, all things said. Yeah, I kept getting... when I, I went through it about three or four times. Never got the wall. I get like two of the driving ones and a boat one and be like, okay, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. But I oh, like weird. the way that the each of the... Like the the APCs, the uh, quad bikes, and the buggies, they all have different courses, different handling, different speeds. They do, yes. I meant to say that, And yes. that's that's the same with on the boats as well, so they don't, they don't handle all the same. So that's really nice to see. So the APCs are much easier to handle than the things, but everything's slower, stuff like that. So it's really good. The bombs piss me off. And so, yeah, so that's well realized. The whole thing moves along at a good old pace. Um, the games come thick and fast, and it just works as you'd expect it to. It just moves along, and you're playing them, and you're enjoying them. The multi-load's a bit of an annoyance, and I can imagine the the, pay, the cassette version was a right pain in the ass when you don't know what um, sort of one you're going to get. I suppose so maybe with the disc version, it's all over the place. That's where I got it. I don't know. I, like I said, I never got any of the run events, so I don't know. An option to practice the ones you like might have been handy to have. Just be able to choose them really. Like, you know, like you've had in that super sports, that super whatever one we played. You could play, like any of these multi event games, you can try in the ones you want. Because it might be one you really like and you're thinking, we all really like playing that one and playing multiplayer. Yeah. So just have a bit of a laugh playing that one. I think that would have that would have lifted, I think, from the options, just that one thing right now. We just want to play that. Just let's play that and we can, because that's yeah. a really good laugh, that one. We like the handling on that and we like to have a bit of a laugh on that. And I think that's good. It's, you know, it's in that super sprint style. Because it's that, you know, it's kind of a scrolling super sprint. It also reminded me a little bit of um, that really old one. I know that was isometric, but a bit of um, racing destruction set um, yeah. had a bit yeah, of a look of that. that as well. So, but yeah, one of the one of the better ones we played of these. Enjoyable enough. The random bombs pissed me off, but I, I did enjoy my time with this. I thought it was a really well put together program that worked, looked apart, sounded good. Just nice options. What, what little options was you got? You got in. You played it. The games were fun. They were all of a muchness it stuck to the it stuck to the tv show and it did what it did and it did it well no real complaints i, I enjoyed this hey, i think 80 percent was about fair maybe a little bit high as you said but i think it's about right for this one it's probably the one they've got the most right um but nice to end on something decent yeah true that's yeah. very true so yeah run the gauntlet i'd, I'd never played it and uh, like i said the the tv show was uh, uh, uh what was it again oh yeah i vaguely remember it yeah yeah yeah, yeah i was yeah. like that but yeah yeah decent game 
the best game we've had with the name Gauntlet in it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's, that's true. what, I, that's what bit, I would that's say. True. There we go. That's it. That's our eight games for this week. What have we had? We had Silkworm, which was which was all right, a bit flickery and a bit bit lifeless, maybe. Mm. Turbo Esprit, which should have been lifeless. It should never have been released. Not ever. It should have just stayed where it was. You know, on Durrell's Big Four. Action Service, yeah. confusing. Dun 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 dun. Hey, <laughs> whatever it was. I don't know what to say about Action Service. What a mess. Bomb Fusion, which was a really, really good uh, budget budget sort of arcade blast. I really enjoyed that. Realm of the Trolls, which was dull. Human Killer Machine, which was pointless again, rubbish. Gary Lineker's Hot Shot, there's nothing hot about it. And finally, Run the Gauntlet, which was actually pretty decent. There you go. That's it. That's our first lot of games. This is May and all the months going on from now on are just two weekers. So we've got another eight coming up next week. Do you know what? Would you like to know what we've got coming up next week, Graham? I do. Okay. Well, really we have do. Renegade 3, the final chapter. Okay. Speed Zone. Okay, that sounds intriguing. Um, Renegade 3, the final chapter, looks really weird. I don't look at it. It's like, it looks really odd. I don't know, I'm not sure about that one. Speed Zone, 10%. Not expecting much. Something called The Deep. Okay. That is F14 <laughs> Tomcat. I have, a, I have a vector chill in my heart of that one. <laughs> you placed a vector chill in my heart. Uh, Last Duel, which is another arcade <laughs> conversion. Uh, Chicago 30s, God knows. Journey to the Center of the Earth, Ace 2088. And finally, a quick look at Heavy Metal Paradroid. Let's see what that's like. Okay. And that's our next week. Mm. So that will round off May and obviously films and TV as well. Um, if you wish to support us, you can do. You can do that. You can come join the uh, Patreon at patreon.com forward slash zap to the past for a small price. You can join the top tier level um, and join our Discord, get the uh, episodes early, um, you ask, us, ask us questions, get on our high scores, all that kind of stuff, whatever you want. You can also just chip us a quid for the equivalent of, and that's also very much appreciated. You, know, you can buy us a coffee if you want, kofi.com forward slash zap to the past, or buy awesome t-shirts from zap to the past dot shop. You can buy them from there, and they are very nice. They are very, very nice. Um, yeah, it's been a bit. Of, it's been a busy week. It's been a busy week for the pair of us uh, at the moment. It has we kind of work? You work sort of aside from education. I work in education. It's all kicking off because it's the start of the year again. So there's lots of madness yes, going exactly on. Yes, exactly that. So it's it's quite hard fitting all this in. But we've got another eight games or nine games next week. But and yeah, I don't know. Have you got anything else you want to add? It's quite late. We've been recording quite late tonight. So I think no, we might no, need to some, knock I'm, it on I'm the head. Happy, you know. I think I've said all my piece about dodgy games ripping people off. So I'll say no more about it. I'm sure we'll come across more. <laughs> I'm sure we will every week. I think it's just going to get worse and worse. But there we go. That's us. All right. On that note, let's let's leave you alone. We've been talking for long enough. I have been Adrian Mills. And I have been Graham Ruddings. And you have been listening to Zap to the Past. And we will see, no see, we will talk to you again. Whatever, we'll be back again next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, 
You can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at zaptother, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.